Mustache? No. Sideburns? No. Goatee? Maybe. Beard? Beard! Talk Live, the 
Telephone number if you'd like to join us, 603-283-6160. It should be on your screen. If you are listening to this live, uh, the only way to do so is to watch it over at uh, watch.freetalklive.com or video.lrn.fm, I believe. Uh, So here we are, Beard Talk Live, the most bearded Liberty stream online. Uh, I think we still retain that moniker. Without a doubt. I was just talking about how much of a dork I am. Uh, and it occurs to me that I'm probably, I know there's plenty of bearded dorks mm-hmm. on planet Earth, but I'm at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you might be too. I, I might be too, but also uh, as far as beards go, like that just, you know, there's only a certain percentage that are like really bearded, right? Most mm-hmm. men, when they grow the beard, they just keep it like sort of towards their face a bit. You know, it doesn't get unruly. It doesn't the get in their way. Beard. Yeah. Uh, the it doesn't accidentally bubble. get zipped up in your hoodie when it's a cold fall day or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, they, they don't go further than that. But uh, so, yeah, I've got that going for me, which is nice. Uh, I've been calling you double bearded bastard now all <laughs> night, basically, because I remember, uh, I don't know who the caller was, mm-hmm. uh, but somebody, you know, called you the fucking double bearded fucking bastard or something like that. Uh, and Richie Rich, uh, our sometimes co-host on uh, Sundays, at least, mm. on Free Talk Live, said he was listening to Beard Talk Live, and he thought that that was one of the funniest things he ever heard. And in defense of whoever that fucking caller was, you do kind of, ha- I mean, you you have one beard, but you have two giant braids mm-hmm. in your beard, and so that's where the double beard, because like, you've got the braids hanging down, but then the rest of your face is also bearded, almost With in business style. Yeah. More than one beard. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that works. I know we were talking about uh, goatees a little while ago, not here on the show, yeah, but we were. I was waging the question: if you cut just the slightest strip down the middle of your beard, no mustache now, is that in fact no longer a beard, but two sideburns? I believe the answer is no, because I've been mm. thinking about it since the question was What's posited. What's the width requirement on that? I, I believe it is the corners of the mouth. Hmm. Because the the sideburns can come down all the way to like the corners of your mouth, and then they're pork chops, hmm. right? That's the slang term for if you just have the big ass sideburns coming all the way down, no uh, chin hair at all, and then no mustache as well. Then you just have pork chops. You add the uh, the mustache in, it becomes something else. There, mm-hmm. it's like named after a guy. I don't know what the hell it's called, but there's another name for the the pork chops with the mustache. Right, so no goatee at all, mm. just pork chops. However long doesn't matter, uh, and and the mustache. There's a name for just that, where where your chin is bald as well, mm. uh, and of course the name for the thing where you have no sideburns or pork chops, but a, a mustache and uh, the beard, and you don't even need the mustache, and it's called the goatee, mm-hmm. right? Which is technically what I have, right? right. I have the mustache, and I, have the, right. I do have some sideburns, but I keep them like you know stubble, stubble length, like the rest of the hair on my balding head. Uh, so you would say that if I had only the width of my nose, you know, like just enough for you to find out whether I'm a butt chin or not, just that much, <laughs> that would in fact be sideburns and two small beard portions. Thus making you a double bearded bastard. Which you already are. So, I mean, there's no <laughs> need to go like re-double bearded bastard, double bearded bastard, well, double bearded bastardizing yourself. There's no need for that because, well, you already are you. Mm. And and who am I? You're a double bearded bastard. 
I see. Oh, so, oh you have another name? Yeah. Oh. Uh, you... I figured we might want to start the show. <laughs> well, we kind of did already. Huh? Did we? Have we? Yes, you double-bearded bastard. <laughs> it just makes so much uh, uh, fun saying it in that way, right? Yes, you double-bearded bastard. Because if we are really starting the show, then we have to start in one way and one way only. There's a purpose that we do this show, and we must state the stated purpose of the show. That's a fact. Fuck, Fuck the, the FCC. FCC. That is the stated purpose of Beard Talk Live. Outside of you know entertaining you, that's not a stated purpose. Uh, hopefully, we're entertaining. Uh, we do call in, so if you want to participate, you can call in. Uh, we already gave out the phone number. We'll give it again, 603-283-6160. We got some calls to get to and that kind of a thing, as long as the double-bearded bastard approves. I always approve. <laughs> Ooh, really? Always? Mm-hmm. <laughs> go with it. Just go with it. That's a little dangerous, my friend. Well, no, always. every time you fuck up is a time you're going to fuck up less in the future. Well, I guess. Uh, man, I had so many things that like I wanted to talk about. I wrote very few of them down. Mm. Um, so let's go to the phones. Beard Talk Live, who the fuck is this? This is the Corporal of Clarity, the Sergeant of Sanity. This is fucking Major Pain. Major fucking Pain, welcome. Major fucking pain. Hey, you guys remember last week we were talking about the Cali- or the uh, Hawaiian wildfires? <laughs> yeah, and uh, what's the Mountain Dew flavor? Maui Blast? <laughs> oh, goodness. That's, that's, that sounds almost as bad as the last uh, Dale Earnhardt joke I heard. Well, 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 don't worry, Major. The government promises that it will step in and take that property. Well, anyway, what there, there, evidently there was two uh, boneheads that pretty much caused that thing. One was the guy that decided not to turn off the grid once the wires started arcing. They can tell when there's brownouts and whatnot in a grid area. Yeah, we knew we knew and scapegoats were coming. The second one was another bonehead decided not to turn on the damn air raid sirens. And he he ended up resigning about four days later in serious disgrace. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, these are the called, one time we needed you. Yeah these these are called scapegoats. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, okay. Let me give you a three letter acronym. If I tell if I say IRA, what do you think of the Irish Republican Army? That's what popped into my head too. But you know what it stands for now? A savings oh, plan. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation, well, it's an act. They're not actually reducing inflation. They're just acting like that. I know, yeah, but they're 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 tooting their own horn, like, and I think they're going to carry this into campaign season as the one damn thing they've done worth being. Duck season. This is all tied into the Green New Deal and electric cars and all that. Uh, And the reports I'm getting from the field is that people that are buying these electric cars are not happy with them. And they're taking them back, and they're not, or they're not buying again. But Ford, who's had the best-selling pickup truck for one or two decades now, is doubling down on these damn electric Ford trucks, and they're selling them at like a fifty thousand dollar loss or better. Oh yeah. And they're claiming that. Uh, well, I heard a spokesman for Ford say, "Well, our plan is to." Uh, Catch them on the rebound. It's it, it's going to be the second time buyers where we're going to make our money. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and this whole thing ties into putting these freaking charging stations across the whole country, and 
And then you get into these self-driving damn things. That's a whole nother bag of worms. <laughs> you got to lay these sensors underneath every fucking highway where they're supposed to be able to go. All right, here's, an, I- here's an idea, Major. Lost. Here, here's an idea. Uh, I had I had spoken previously on the topic of uh, uh, when AI and cryptocurrency decide to get together and uh, make use of each other. Uh, not that cryptocurrency can make decisions, and, and AI kind of can when it's given like a, a vague instruction. Well, like, how dare you, you know, metaphor? Like, like, yeah, like create an app that does something like this, and like, it'll go out, it'll find you the code, it'll try and build it for you, it'll show you what it did, and you'll be like, okay, that's not quite right. Uh, do it, you know, and then you sort of drill down on it, you know. Get, okay, so now imagine cryptocurrency and AI are, are already working and, and humming along, mm-hmm. uh, and now. Uh, it creates a self-driving uh, taxi business. Okay. <laughs> now you've got uh, autonomous businesses that aren't owned by anyone, hmm. but yet are subscribed to and paid for by, well, the, the customers it serves, which is humanity. Well, mm. How do you tax that? I, they, I don't think they'd let that fly. Uh, well, how are they going to stop it? They have to put it underneath the guise of the Federal Aviation Administration underneath Jetson's flying cars or some damn thing. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, who are they even going to put in jail, man? Right. All they can do is, like, let's just say that AI uh, started a flying taxi service, right? So now we're in the air, right? We're in the, the FAA authority, right? The federal assholes and more assholes? No, uh, Federal Aviation Association? Administration. Administration, yes. Thank you. Uh so uh, the the best government can do is shoot these things down, right? <laughs> like like that's what they can do. Like they're already going to be uh, able to avoid like commercial air traffic, right? Because well, air traffic is broadcast, right? And it's also restricted to within a certain uh, you know I don't distance within the atmosphere, right? So there's all these like zones where commercial air traffic doesn't fly that a flying taxi could certainly fly uh and you know without any restriction legally right but let's just say it flew you know in commercial space but was able to successfully avoid all commercial air traffic and deliver its customer to the correct place um there is no one to arrest right Uh, at best they would have to shoot these things down out of the sky or perhaps try and figure out where these things are located uh, and, you know, confiscate them, with which the AI could then come up with ways to circumvent that as well. And It makes it, it makes an arms race out of every regulation, essentially. Right. Because there's no person to stop anymore. So, like, uh, if, they're, if they're doing this, whatever this is, then the AI is going to have another thing to try and program its way around. Right. So it's a challenge, a hurdle for it to get around. Now, right. a, a person, you know, would probably be found at some point, even if they like went into hiding and like, you know, the IRS or somebody was after them for like not paying taxes or uh, running a business without a license and all this shit. Right. The thing is, AI doesn't need to get a license to operate a business. It just can because it exists. Right. A cryptocurrency doesn't need a license because, well, it, it's decentralized. And so it, it just exists. And so if AI, AI becomes decentralized and it adopts decentralized currency, it can create, uh, in reality, in meat space, 
it can create businesses that operate outside of taxation. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if AI ever does get that intelligence where it can uh, just twist things like that, I mean, the government's going to be playing whack-a-mole so bad they're going to wear out all their new hammers. So, so I've, and wouldn't uh, that I've, be great? Yeah, I mean, I've... <laughs> I've thought about like what you know what it would take to make sure that the uh, that they have to play try and play whack a mole like uh, w- with a massive powerful technology. I mean, this isn't AI, but it is a powerful technology. And as with all other massively powerful technologies, the solution is to distribute it as widely as possible. Yep. Like the the problem is not the power of it; the power being concentrated is the problem. So. I, I think about, okay, well, how can we make sure that AI ends up in the hands of as many people as possible? Because the last thing that you would want is like, oh, well, Google has one, right. but you don't. Yeah, you can't have it. Right. Google has the only one. Right. Uh, but then again, it's information. And information wants to be free. Like, it will find its way out. It always does. Like, no matter how you try and hold an idea in, it will find its way. Yeah, it's kind of like a gas. It's going to find a crack. Exactly. So I figure, okay, well, someone went and done invented this thing. It's going to find its way around. And since we all have the 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 devices necessary for adapting that technique... Well, then it's going to be everywhere because we all have the ability. This came up recently. Go ahead, James. As the captain, as you said earlier, I'm an old son of a bitch, kind of set in my ways. You know, one of them bastards is so stupid he don't hardly know how to send an email. You're not stupid. (laughs) You're just old. Yeah, well, it's all right. I'm not technologically advanced either, and every time some of these new critters get out of the damn barn, it does kind of scare the bejesus out of me. Yeah, I get why. Like, I had a relative. Uh, she was very afraid. Uh, she was an aunt of mine. She was very afraid uh, when answering machines came around, right? Because I'm older than answering machines. They weren't always there. Uh, and, well, then, and now everybody just has yeah. voicemail. They don't even know what an answering machine is. It's the analog version of voicemail. It's what created voicemail. Right. So uh, she she would not leave a message. I don't like talking to the machines. Right, right. That, that right. was her her fear. But like I I, I spoke about this uh, on online. I don't know this week at some point. But uh, I don't like. There's this inherent fear of AI that humans have. Right? Maybe you have it. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But uh, a lot of folks do. And I want to remind everybody that this happens to every new technology right. ever. And and I'll illustrate this because I found an article called Nine Times in History When Everyone Freaked Out About New Technology. And the first one is the only one that I need to read to you. People believed that trains would rip you apart in 1825. The human body can only travel so fast before a person becomes fatally injured. While this is true, the speeds needed to harm the human body are far faster than 30 miles per hour. Back in 1825, nobody knew that. When the Stockton-Darlington Railway opened that year, people insisted trains were unsafe as a mode of transportation for people. Cultural anthropologist Genevieve Bell explained to the Wall Street Journal 
that critics of trains believe people would fall victim to gruesome deaths when they hopped on board. Some people believed the body would simply melt, while others insisted the limbs would be torn from riders' bodies. Others warned women's uteruses would fly out if they reached speeds of 50 miles per hour. Okay, on that last one, to be fair, they literally believed that the uterus traveled about the body. And when it was it in your head, <laughs> no, when it was in your head is when you would be uh, uh, hysterical. Uh, That's where the word hyster- hysterical, yeah, hysterical, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they thought that those things were traveling around the body anyway. So for them to believe that something might make it fly out is actually <laughs> less absurd in a way than it sounds. But yeah. Major? It, it reminds me of what people say about the about tornadoes, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We could, we could get rid of all the abortion clinics. All the women just got to get on a train going <laughs> 75, and they'll, they'll be all right. But, like, if you don't if you don't understand the physics of what happens when the human body gets on a train, right, that would make sense to you, right? You're like, well, yeah. yeah, if the body does travel too fast, it'll probably rip itself apart, you know? Uh, I First time I got on a high-speed elevator when I was a kid, that gave me kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, people- I mean, the, the a lot of it's just mistaking uh, acceleration for speed. Which, right. yeah, uh, if you have too much acceleration, that will pa- that will tear you apart. Right. But also, like, if the thing you're on is traveling 50 miles an hour, you aren't really traveling 50 miles an hour. Like, from your perspective. Oh, so that's actually what uh, relativity is all about. Yeah. So you need, right, your perspective, right? So you need to have a point of reference. Right. And usually we pick ourselves Mm -hmm. as a point of reference, or we'll pick the ground as a point of reference. Right. Uh, In some cases, we will pick the sun as a point of reference. Uh, None of these are entirely true or false. It's actually completely arbitrary. But until you've picked a point of reference, you can't say anything about anything else. Yeah. Like, you can't say if it's still, you can't say if it's moving, you can't say what's moving where. You have to have a point of reference before you know what's going on and can interpret the data. Yeah, you're, you're talking about a constant. You're yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, so yeah. from your perspective, like if you use yourself as the point of reference, uh, the entire world is moving at however many miles per hour. Which is true. It is. It's rotating. And so, like, when you're just standing, doing nothing, like, are you actually rotating at whatever the speed of the Earth is rotating? Or are you standing still? Well, that depends you're, on your point of reference. You're riding, you're riding the slowest escalator ever made. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I got kind of a funny story about the trains, though, now you brought those up. Choo-choo. At, uh, at, at, at the end of the uh, steam engine era... Mm-hmm. And the beginning of the you know diesel trains, they had this thing at county fairs because they had all these old steam locomotives and they didn't know what the hell to do with them, so they would have these things at, at county fairs and they would crash these some bitches into each other at you know forty five mile an hour, however fast they get them going. <laughs> and that went on for about ten fifteen wait, years. I think somebody wait, wait. got hurt. Probably. Are you describing demolition derby with trains? Pretty much, you know. Because that sounds fun. Except, I mean, you ain't playing chicken because the train can't turn. Right? Yeah. uh, There's no lever for that. 
uh, despite what no, the trolley problem would have you believe. Lever? Lever? They did get a couple of engineers and they had to lock the throttles down when they were you know, 500 yards apart or whatever the optimum spread was and let them bash into each other. That sounds like good damn fun mm. to me in 1840. <laughs> well, so that actually reminds me of uh, earlier you were talking about like uh, when they make these things that get out. Uh, and I thought of uh, a particle collider which is pretty much the same idea as uh, crashing two trains into each other, just using magnets and uh, really, really tiny trains. But when they started uh, doing the particle colliding, they knew that there was a certain amount of chance that they might create a black hole that instantly enveloped the Earth, killing everyone. <laughs> it might. A war they, like they, I mean, they satisfied themselves that it was, you know, unlikely enough but it definitely wasn't zero, and they did it anyway. Yeah. When they uh, when they set off the the nuclear bomb, there was a chance that it was going to ignite the atmosphere. Yeah. And like, not as small a chance as I would like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because they did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, humans well, are risk takers. We have developed the word mad scientist, and it's applicable in many situations anymore. Yeah, so, look at Fauci. Well, oh, yeah. He's our so, mad scientist. That guy's a fucking dick. So the, I, I, they're they're trying to push the uh, the alien propaganda on us, and I I think it is worth uh, taking a question of like, okay, well, how likely is it that there's intelligence out there that's kind of like human intelligence? And uh, I think I the thing you have to think about is like maybe is, this just kills every animal that gets it. Maybe every animal that figures out how to, like, split the atom uh, the wrong way just ceases to exist. Major? This is just a distraction, that alien shit. I mean, oh, I yeah, do yeah. believe oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, you, I'm you just know pointing why? that out because it makes you yeah. ask, like, okay, well, you know, what are the chances that the, we're the only intelligence in the universe or that we're the first intelligence in the universe? And then you have to think, okay, well, how likely is it that some other kind of thing could get this? Uh, well, I have seen—I have personally seen unexplained aerial phenomenon, as mm. we call them. I'm convinced so, the so. vast majority of that is either—and these are two very different categories. Uh, so most of it, of the just like it's out there that uh, the first kind mm. uh, encounters of the first kind. I think most of that's just uh, it's plasma reactions. Like our our model doesn't contain the fact that there's this massive plasma system between all of the planets and all of the stars. It's there. It's all. It, you know how they have those really yeah. cool colors in certain space photos. That's because they colorized what's invisible. But the you can see how it connects right, yeah. everything. And they that called it plasma because it looks like blood, it? like the way it moves. Is that what the northern lights? Uh, aurora borealis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Aurora borealis is a, a, another example of uh, of plasma activity. And it's just that people are completely unfamiliar with plasma, which is why, like, wait. Ball lightning? What the hell is that? Well, we really haven't spent much time on, you know, looking into how plasma works. So when it does these weird things, okay, it went here and then it stopped and then it went 90 degrees over here way too fast. Yeah. We, we're just totally unfamiliar with how plasma works. So yeah, I remember the good old days when plasma was something you sold at the clinic when you were broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what it got named after was uh, the... The person who discovered it thought that it looked way too much like the way that blood moves. There's probably uh, a connection there. 
Like, yeah, uh, you know, there's I'm probably either. other things in the universe that move like that that you know maybe we haven't discovered yet, or someone hasn't sort of been like, hey, that moves just like blood or plasma or something. You know, yeah, I, I, mean, I bet you there's a connection there because um, even uh, science fiction, like, first of all, I think science fiction to some extent is responsible for uh, the knee-jerk fear of new technology uh, because so many films and television shows, and everybody knows which one I'm talking about first, Terminator, right, mm. uh, you know, have been like, oh, my gosh, the machines take over and they want to kill humans, right? Uh, everybody's afraid of that, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to be. For the same reason you don't have to be afraid of trains ripping you apart when you board them, right, because – uh, the technology is just a tool, right? If anything's going to destroy humanity, it'll be the responsibility of another human. They might use tools to achieve their goals, mm-hmm. you know, like an AI or, or a hammer or a gun or a bomb or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the humans that are trying to destroy the humans, not the machines, not the AI. Mm-hmm. AI is never going to sit around and go, these pesky humans are really pissing me off. The difference between AI... And humanity, and and I don't think this can be overcome anytime soon, is that humanity has imaginations. Mm. AI does not. AI right. takes a set of instructions and tries to figure out how to accomplish them. Right. right. Uh, Captain, since you brought the train thing back up again, what were the next couple things that really freaked humanity out when they got invented? <laughs> All right. You got me intrigued. Uh, well, I mean, you're you're probably old enough to have, uh, well, maybe not, of uh, like the uh, television or color television. Yeah, I remember we used to have black and whites, and you had to be kind of rolling fat to have a color TV. Yeah. Did you ever hear any scare stories about TVs? Oh, well, hey, come on. Don't spoil the articles now. <laughs> scary stories about TV? You mean like they sucked you in the tube or something? <laughs> Uh, here, let, let me start with the next one, uh, since you asked, Major. Well, H- hang on, hang on. So this is the next one. The New York Times attacked the telephone in the late 1800s. We now live in a world where five minutes without a cell phone seems like an eternity, so it's hard to imagine that at one point, many people wanted nothing to do with telephones at all. When telephones were introduced in the late 1800s, the New York Times was quick to attack The paper's critique of the technology included the suggestion that telephones would only be used to invade people's privacy. One contributor even went so far as to say that the telephone introduced society to a slippery slope where we would soon be nothing but transparent heaps of jelly to each other. Other attacks on the telephone insisted that it would make society lazy and antisocial, and some even claimed the new technology would be used to communicate with the dead. Oh Lord. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So what well, was so, the one about the TV? I'm sorry. What? I said, what was the one about the TV? Well, uh, to be fair, there are still stories about uh, communicating with the dead through the telephone. Uh, these days, it's like, oh well, if you take the static and you do this with it, then it kind of sounds like there's words. already there's already programs like if you have like a bunch of voicemails from like your dead wife or whatever uh, saved up and other audio sources, you can upload them to a place and they will do uh, a mimic of their voice. I, I know mm-hmm. that's an episode of Black Mirror, uh, season two, maybe I don't remember which season, but um, that portion of the story is true. 
you can't. And people already do this. People will keep uh, their dead spouse or child's cell phone so that they can listen to the greeting they recorded. You know, hey, this is Bob. Thanks for calling. Leave me, you know, and they'll just play that over and over when they're sad or whatever. Like these kinds of things happen. It's a human condition, right? Mm-hmm. You you want to save some part of your loved ones after the, after they've gone. In order to tell you, though, about television, I first have to tell you about radio mm-hmm. because, well, we're on the Internet, so we can say shit like fuck. <laughs> we can. Uh, but if we, we were, do, if we do. And I just did. Uh, but if we were on the radio, uh, the FCC, because they're fucking cunts and cocksuckers. FCC. Yeah. Is that is that your greeting form? I've never heard it. Oh, our greeting is uh, fuck the FCC. It is, in fact. Yeah, that's the, we okay. call it the preamble to the show. We already said it earlier in the show. Um, but I, know, but I I can't hear your opening. You know, once I'm on hold, I'm on hold. I uh, see. All right. Uh, even the inventor of the radio criticized it in 1940. Uh, the fear that surrounded the invention of radio is partially interesting. While all the items on this list share a common denominator being feared by the general population, to which radio was no stranger either, the radio was feared by its own inventor as well. Uh, this guy's name is Macaroni. Uh, believed he had perfected... Marconi? Yeah, Guglielmo. I don't know. I can't... I think it's Marconi. Oh, it is Marconi. I'm misreading that. My list Dexia is creeping in. Yeah, Marconi, uh, uh, the uh, famed inventor of the radio. Yes. And uh, how do you say his when, first name? When asked about Marconi, Tesla said uh, how many patents of his he was using and that he should keep doing it. How do you pronounce Marconi's first name? Because it's right here and there's no way I'm getting it right. Guglielmo? G U G L I E L M O. Well, we're going with googly elmo because <laughs> it sounds like a sounds like a tickle me elmo with googly eyes. It does. Uh, that's, a, that's a new character for Sesame Street, there. Mister Macaroni believed he had perfected wireless technology back in 1895, but more than two decades would go by before uh, Marconi's technology would be used to broadcast to the masses rather than to just one other individual. That is what made Marconi second-guess his technological contribution in an undelivered speech given to Sir James Irvine and later referred to in an article published by the Herald in 1940. Marconi asked himself if he had done the world good or just added a menace. Marconi explained that he only intended for his invention to improve communication between ships at sea. He never even saw the true potential of the radio introduced in terms of broadcasting content across an entire region. So the inventor himself... Basically on a shortwave band, I think. Yeah, the inventor himself was apprehensive of of broadcast, and yet, you know, I think broadcast has uh, fundamentally changed humanity, Uh, just as has the railroad and, you know, the radio is right there, the telegraph is right there. Uh, the, same, the same thing happened with the guy in the Manhattan Project that uh, invented the nuclear damn bomb. Yeah. He's like, what in the hell have I done? You know? Oh, yeah. So the television, moving on to answer your question, Major, the television became even scarier than the radio. Everything people feared about radio was amplified with the introduction of the television in 1927. There was a fear oh. that radio would turn people away from reading or having intimate conversations with one another, the television received that very same critique. 
Media historian Ellen Wartella told State that critics of the television insisted it would hurt radio, conversation, reading, and the patterns of family living and result in the further vulgarization of American culture. Poor television was receiving backlash from both sides. Those who feared what technology might do to human interaction were opposed to the television, and those who were optimistic about the new technology but had already invested in the world of radio were afraid the new medium would tarnish their investments. Well, that at least did partially come true, Captain. You're old enough to remember, and so am I. When I was a kid, the TV was the electric babysitter. Oh, it still is. Yeah. Uh, although... And I know. But, I mean, Mama didn't have to read you a story. She just, you know, put on your favorite show and you're happy. Yeah, if you're around, uh, listeners, if you're around 50 years old, so probably, uh, you know, 45, uh, you know, up to, I don't know, 65 or something like that, uh, you might remember HBO put a, a television show, a, a sitcom on, uh, just on HBO, uh, called Dream On. And it was about this kid who grew up, but his entire life was flashbacks to shit he saw on TV. Just little scenes. And so they would do that in the show. Like during the show, you know, the whatever situation would unfold. And then the guy would remember like scenes from old black and white TV shows or Gilligan's Island and stuff like that. Uh, and so it was just it was comprised of a bunch of flashbacks. You'll identify with this show if you watch any of it. I guarantee it. That was, that, that's, that's pretty wild. I've never heard about that one. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember who was in it either, but um, you know, it's an old show. We're talking, so, you know, nineties or. Whatever. I'd like to talk about how all of those technologies really should have been feared, perhaps not in the way that they were, but uh, I think the very height of the control of the human population was when you had uh, a universally broadcast message in every part of the globe. I mean the nature of a top-down control system is broadcasting information. Mm -hmm. Singular source. Uh, Unidirectional. As, yeah, exactly. Right. One source, yeah, well, all uh, all recipients. Like, everyone gets one message. I'm sorry, what, Major? I said you're going back to the newspaper and the radio now. In the yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. The, the newspaper, newspaper, the radio, the television. These are all unidirectional yeah, information systems. Back, back in the day, in a big town, there was two new newspapers. One re represented the Republican side, and the other represented the Democrat sure. side, right? And then they kind of conglomerated, like, you know, became the New York Times and the Detroit Free Press, and the Detroit News just became the Detroit News, I think it was. Yeah. But um, they, were, they, they were the information package. Sure. And if you could pick up a telephone and say, hey, Martha, Look, you know what I just saw before the New York Times or anybody else picked it up? That shit can make it all the way to the Mississippi, even on a party line, you know? And on a party line, you got three old birds listening to a set of one. They're going to be calling everybody they know telling them, too. So it's just, just fear-mongering and, and worrisome about profit loss and such. Well, yeah, and, like, these technologies were definitely necessary for us to uh, invent more technologies, mm. right? Uh, these well, ideas had to be explored and unidirectional uh, broadcast needed to be invented in order for us to get bidirectional broadcast, which well, is what we're doing right now. I think kind that of. we've done well with the technologies that we have. Yeah. 
but uh, I think that there are are some serious trade-offs that we had to endure for them. Well, yeah. So, like, like uh, I mean, okay, so television. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Television. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the perfect weapon of control. Visual hypnosis. I mean, you... Okay, so step one, you set people into their, like, alpha state. Yep. Right? So you are in a receptive, hypnotic, altered state. Yep. Like a drug. Okay, step two, you can deliver different uh, messages on the audio side or the visual side mm-hmm. so that, for example, when you're giving them the quote-unquote news, when you're telling them about reality, yep. you make sure to give them pictures of the world while describing them in exactly the way that you want them to think right. about those pictures, in exactly the emotions and values that you want them to ascribe to those like holy shit yeah that is dangerous well i i don't know like i would i would call that art <laughs> right you're describing filmmaking you're describing uh like i made a music video right um to me that's art right like i i am doing exactly what you described i'm i'm playing an audio and i'm you know showing visuals that that i want to show you uh, because, you know, I think I have something to say. Well, can, and so I want to say it in that way. Well, uh, I can tell you the difference, though, between art and propaganda is did you know where you were going before you got there? Yeah. So when you're doing art, it surprises you. It always does. Yeah. Something turns out different than you imagine. Oh, yeah. That's, that's because it's alive. You're touching something that's more complex. So it shows up in ways that you didn't intend whereas propaganda you know exactly where you're going before you get there there is art in propaganda though they have designers they have you know that kind of a thing but there's not always propaganda in art there is craft in propaganda sure but i don't think there is art in propaganda so uh for example uh uh, dude, Shrugged. have you seen Reefer Madness? Those posters are fucking art, dude. There's craft to them, but they knew exactly where they were going. They didn't get surprised in the creation of it. And that's the difference. And and and, and, and the, the result is also different, so that I can watch this and I know everything it's, it's about. Yeah. Once I've seen it, I know all of the information that it has to offer. I need not bother watching a second time. Mm. Art. Art changes every time you see it, has more information every time you look at it because you're different. That's how art works. It's it's this compressed information that brings out things that you didn't know you knew. That's art. And yes, uh, being craftful, being uh, artful in a sense, but skilled, being skilled is definitely uh, well, applicable to both processes, yeah. and a lot of the same rules apply. Like, uh, if you want this color balance or that color balance for this effect, it's the same artistry, if you will. But there's a difference between artistry and art in that sense. I still feel like there's art within propaganda, but there's not necessarily propaganda within art. Like, it's not an all-the-time thing, right? You know, so uh, uh, propaganda contains art but not all art is propaganda well maybe i mean after all in the strictest sense if you want anyone to do anything 
you propagandize them. Now, it's it's gained a much more negative connotation because of the vast majority of that usage. Sure. But, like, if I'm going to, you know, convince you that reading a book is worth your time, I've got to, like, get you uh, invested in those ideas. And that is propaganda. Sure. Now, art does that, but it does it in different ways. Like, propaganda, when it's made to be propaganda, always moves you in the same direction. Right. But That's art, why it's propaganda right. and not art. Right. But art yeah. kind of propagandizes you in different directions at different times. Major? Oh, I don't know. You guys lost me on the last curve. I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking politaganda. You know, mm, right. well, right. Politaganda is a very well, specific, portmanteau. Very portmanteau. Thank you for having the portmanteau of the night. Now I don't have to create one. Right now, I probably will. Now that I don't have to. Right, I'll, I'll create well, a new I don't portmanteau. want to give you no more toes, Captain. You'll be walking funny. <laughs> portmanteaus. Well, yeah. Or is it portmanteau? Like is that the plural? One, one of them seven, seven clawed cats that just is real good at catching mice, but nothing else. I don't want to see that coming. I am from the planet Portmanteonian. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Portmanteau. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for the call, Major. Let's go over here. Hang on. Oh, shit. All right. Beard Talk Live. Who the fuck is this? All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for the call, Major. Oh, uh, dude, you got to turn your turn your thing down. You're on the air, bro. Oh, crap. Is that me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you. Oh, I didn't hear the beep. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I have to listen to the Odyssey because, you know, on hold, I have to listen to that damn radio. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not admonishing you for listening. I'm admonishing you for, like, not turning it down quick enough, I guess. No, I didn't. I didn't hear Admonish. The Admonish. But uh, hey, Ca hey, Captain America, the free riding Avenger. Hey, Dickless. Hey, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, oh, that's I, I, No, I have actually heard that, that like, you know, I had to listen real closely because what I thought you said the first time <laughs> the dickless money. just did not make any sense. Yeah, you must hear it a lot from the girls, right? But uh, but so enough about uh, your mother, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I believe uh, I believe he prefer his preferred pronoun is double bearded bastard. Oh, <laughs> oh double. Where do I put bastard, the slash okay. in that though? Fucking double bearded bastard. Ah, oh, fucking I'll, slash I'll double bearded bastard. There we are. Yeah. What are we calling Skeeter these hey, days? Dickless, how, <sighs> even though you're illiterate, you say some interesting things. You must. Uh, oh, he's like, not illiterate. He can read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just not usually worth it. Yeah, he can read. It's just the more difficult oh, for him. Than... Not well, though, right? Well, it depends on what you mean by well. Uh, if by well you mean quickly, eh. If by okay, well you mean well. integrating the ideas fully with the yeah, other ideas that I have and remembering them at uh, good recall, then well. Yeah. I was put in this weird-ass fucking program in, uh, I think, fifth grade, uh, where they just pulled me and, like, two other kids uh, out of that grade, different, different, home, different homerooms. Uh, and they put us in a, in a small room, and they had a projector, a, a slide projector in there. And on each slide, they had a picture of one line of a page of a book. Like, I think of a soft cover book, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just a picture of one line. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, the projector would switch from slide to slide at, at first at a very slow pace. Mm -hmm. And you would just read whatever was in front of you. And then at the end, these are only a half-hour class. 
at the end of the half hour, they would then give you a comprehension quiz based on the content that they had flashed in front of you repeatedly. And they did this. It's called special education. Skater, okay, you're going to have to shut up for a minute. Uh, so they did this uh, repeatedly, and then you know you took the comprehension test, and they scored you. Uh, and then every time we went to this thing, they would increase the speed at which the lines of text would appear on the screen in front of us to a point where we learned how to read insanely quickly and comprehend <laughs> the, uh, the content so fast that other people who may have wandered in could not read the text themselves. So it was yeah. basically like watching a blur but somehow your brain magically retained, you know, like the main points of the paragraphs and articles that the author was getting at. And you were able to answer questions about content that you couldn't quite remember even seeing. Mm. But like when you took the test, the, the answers were there. Now, That's Skeeter, kind of Skeeter that, is, that is not uh, something that they do with retarded people. <laughs> How come you're so ignorant then if you're so good? Uh, well, uh, I don't believe that I am. In fact, I believe it is you who are the ignorant one. I'm just joking, man. Wait, why do you consider me ignorant? Like, um, I think I'm pretty educated. <laughs> that is a pretty good joke. Oh, I mean, like, go back and listen to <laughs> any and all of your calls. Okay. Yeah, so what, uh, just point to a particular thing that you thought I was ignorant about. Just give me an example. Uh, well, you're ignorant about how to answer a phone in a call-in radio show properly, that's for sure. <laughs> Is that the best There's one do? example for you. <laughs> how about trying to debate me like on subjective value when you don't even, when you guys didn't even know the theory? You how about, have how about never that attempted to yeah. debate. See, the thing is, is that uh, not only have you not given a succinct definition of, well, anything that you've proposed, really, uh, you talk around it, and you never give something succinct, so we can't wrap our brains around something that isn't succinct, which you would understand if you weren't ignorant on the topic of human what learning. What happened to your special education about like being able to like comprehend all fast and stuff? That just because I can't condense it doesn't mean it's uh, unpalatable. So here's, the, here's what you're being ignorant of. You're being ignorant of things <laughs> like uh, philosophy and principles. Oh, I'm pretty educated right? These are these are things which can be explained succinctly and that if As they I, are they are explained succinctly, kind of. they can be understood by a whole bunch of people. What you're trying so, to explain, uh, you, no one on planet Earth comprehends except you. So do me so try this, try to condense Kant for me. You know, Manuel Kant's uh, deontology. <laughs> Look, do, I'm not. This isn't the Skeeter show. <laughs> you called into Beard Talk Live, so I have a question for you, Skeeter. Do Why you do you have a beard? Time for a Skeeter. Do you have a beard? <laughs> I got a neck beard. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what's going no. on? What's what's the beard signify anyway? Is that freedom or something with you, damn libertarians? Dude, it's just so facial hair, man. Like your your freedom. It's just facial hair, dude. Hey, I have a question. Oh. Do you know all yeah, 14 words? Oh, this is probably going to lead to a joke. What is it? No, no. D no, it's a simple yes or no question. 14 words of what? It's because there's more than 14 oh, nice. words, obviously. All right. What are you trying to get to? All right, cool. Sweet. Sweet. 
Paul. Just checking. Just checking. Uh, you okay. obviously are very, very authoritarian. So I wanted to see no, which well, flavor you were. No, absolutely not. I, I'm uh, well. The only authority I, I, uh, I adopt is evolution. Do you believe in that? Yeah. Does that make me author authoritarian? You can be authoritarian in the name of evolution. Yes. <laughs> So like when you when uh when I say like it's probably okay in most circumstances to uh violate a kid's rights because he doesn't know how to make decisions yet because uh value isn't subjective. Does that make me authoritarian? Yes. Oh, so you liber you libertarians uh you you you're okay with uh uh no age of consent as long as the kid agrees, right? Is nope. that what you're telling me? Nope. Believe it or not, okay, you can so I, you I can know. have someone who is neither capable of contracting in that moment nor are, are they worthy of having their property rights violated you can actually have both of those things at the same time such as every time i'm asleep every time you're what sorry asleep every time yeah. i'm asleep i am neither capable of making a contract nor am i worthy of depriving of rights like i still have but a right to all that, of my property you're not allowed to take my kidney even though i'm asleep even if how I haven't protested. To, how does that apply to children? They're in the same situation. They're neither they're capable asleep, of saying. creating contracts, but okay. they haven't so what do, but neither have they given up their property rights. Wait, isn't that what you're doing when you make a decision for them as a parent? Well you're so here's the here's uh, the thing. In interacting with human beings, you have to figure out as best you can what they will consider not a violation of their property. And you make gambles what? as to what they will consider to be violations of their property and what they won't. Violations so, like, for property, example, if I wanted to go after my think. parents for approving of having my foreskin removed, I could do that. Now, they believed they were acting in the best interests of, uh, of me as a child when they approved that, but they made a gamble as to whether or not I will consider that a violation of my rights. And I could still go after them. I haven't chosen to. <laughs> Who's going to enforce that? You? <laughs> oh no, you could uh, you could sue that in the U.S. courts now. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, really? Is that is that really true? Oh yeah. You could take your court. I yeah. doubt that. That doesn't that doesn't sound. Uh, Speaking of ignorant. Hey, yep. thanks for the call. It was only a matter of time until he illustrated it. Right. You know. Uh, I didn't feel like I needed to go through the archives and dig out. <laughs> you know, I figured it was going to happen during the call, and, and thus it did. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, there's no way that a dog is killed by the ATF every single day. Mm -hmm. It's like, actually, right. it's a lot more than one. What's that mean? Actually. Right. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Beard Talk Live. Who the fuck is this? Hey, this is Tim from Florida. Hey, Tim from Florida. This is the captain from New Hampshire. And Peakless, also captain. from New Hampshire. Uh, captain Peakless, I see you. Uh, I can't. Well, I can hear you on the phone. I can't. I, I can't. Okay, it's a different device. Pork chops. Pork chops. Yes. On the subject of beards, yeah. we talked about this earlier. Mm. Uh, uh, go, go ahead. Yep. Now, what is the difference between a pork chop and a mutton chop? Ooh. That's a good question. I feel like we should know this because of the name of our show. <laughs> well, as you've pointed out, that's actually outside of our uh, scope of practice. That's true. I would like to know anyway. 
I I think I know the answer, and maybe somebody else can correct me, but uh, not but uh, like uh, but uh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, so my boss kept asking me why I'm late every day, and I I kind of felt like it was a trick question. You're gonna blame your beard for being late to work? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I'm like every day the reason's different. So so how can I tell you why I'm late every day? <laughs> oh, like do you want me to make a list? How long do you have? So, so I apologized, you know, I apologized. And I said, well, I'll, I'll try to do better. And the next day I made it on time. And she said, okay. what did you do different? I said, I skipped shaving. Oh. Mm. Behold so, the power uh, of beard. Yes. Yeah. Out of spite, I started only shaving the mustache, the hair around my face, in the middle of my chin. And so now, now I'm growing. So I think, I think if you let the hair continue to grow down your chin, but you still shave the middle of your chin. I think that's a mutton chop. So a quick search says mutton chops are basically sideburns, but instead of being trimmed straight down to the side of the face, they're allowed to grow further onto the cheeks to the edge of the mouth. So that uh, solidifies my edge of the mouth comment from earlier, but... Mm -hmm. Um, your question wasn't what's the difference between sideburns and mutton chops, though, right? What was your question? Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 was my, oh, was my it? question. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, well, sideburns I, I, I don't. don't sideburns are shorter, I guess. They don't go down the cheek, so they end basically, uh, you know, at the jawline or something along those lines. Uh, but if you let them grow forward, like underneath your eye, down the cheek, all the way to your mouth, that's when they become mutton. Apparently. Hmm. You know what I just realized? Mm. Okay. You know the the uh, the handlebar mustache, right? Yes. Okay. So if you remove the part that we're usually talking about when we say mustache. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just that little region, that is the Ukraine of your face. <laughs> the Ukraine. It is. It is How the so? borderland of your beard, your sideburns, and your mustache. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's the disputed territory. I wish I was following that one. Well, do you know what a handlebar mustache looks like? Right. Okay, so if you if you think of just the part below your lips. Okay. That part is the disputed territory of your face. I gotcha. All right, so the, the Fu Manchu is the thin, narrow mustache that grows downward in two very long tendrils. Uh, from the upper, the it almost looks like you don't have anything underneath your nose. It's just the the little sides, and they grow down, uh, and in a pointed fashion. Is a Fu Manchu what evolves out of a handlebar mustache if you just let it go? Hmm, I don't know. I'm looking for. Or are those long parts grown out of a completely different part of the face? Well, so if you're talking about the handlebar mustache where the, the, the ends sort of point upward, like towards your eyes or towards the top of your head. That's not a handlebar mustache. No, but that's called a dolly, D-A-L-I. Mm. Uh, yeah. Named it, after Salvatore Dali. Uh, there's one I'm looking for specifically. Hulk Hogan was, of course, the horseshoe mustache. Uh, I think to have a true Fu Manchu, uh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not being racist, like like oh one race is superior to another. I'm just saying that uh, I think to have a true Fu Manchu, you you have to be Asian. 
because you have a it's a finer hair sure it's a more um like silky silky hair yeah they in fact have a picture a black and white picture of what looks like a you know a kung fu theater guy with the the fu manchu mm. uh, as the illustration well, here to pull it off maybe it's pretty badass. But how you know, dare you tell me what kind of facial hair I can and cannot have? Dude, holy fuck. Frank, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Frank Zappa has facial hairstyle named after him. It's called the Zappa. Really? Yeah, and what it is is it's the, the, the full mustache, right, going down to, to the, the corners, past the corners of, of your mouth, and then no sideburns, no goatee, but the soul patch. That's the hair mm. that grows on the underside of your bottom lip. Uh, Frank Zappa's consists of a wide soul patch and a full mustache. Uh, it's called the Frank Zappa. I'm like, wow, that's fucking weird. I didn't know that. Uh, the Van Dyke is a type of goatee in which the chin hair is disconnected from the mustache hair. Often the two patches are shaped and styled independently. Uh, so, you know, the mustache and then it's usually like a strip uh, on the bottom of the chin, the soul patch and a uh, a goat patch to form that what i'm looking for specifically mutton chops are connected by a mustache but no chin hair so that's according to wikipedia sorry i got mine going a little lower i got mine going a little lower i I was using the wrong terminology i meant the horseshoe mustache when i was saying handlebar mustache Uh, yes yeah yep uh, there's also oh, sideburns, okay, side whiskers. That's not what I'm looking for. I was looking for, like, the reverse goatee, where you have everything except for uh, the hair on the chin, right? But that looks that's like... Basically, that's basically what I'm doing, like a reverse goatee, with also without a mustache, and basically anywhere around my mouth where it kind of like the Amish look, you know? Yeah, it's I got gotcha. you. But I also, I'm shaving the patch directly in between, like going straight down my chin, you know, like maybe an inch, more than an inch wide. Yeah, I think you're spot on there with your definition of what that is. Now, I've seen one other person. I want to say he's a bass player. Uh, I think he plays bass or banjo. I'm trying to remember for Lucero. It's kind of like an Americana, uh, neo-Western type of band. Yeah. He's got what you got going on? Well, I don't have what he has going on. No, I'm just, right now it's just scruff. It's like that guy that called in, uh, I don't know, he said something about being a Chia pet. That's what it looks like now. (laughs) I'm doing doing it out of spite, you know, so I can show up to work on time because I'm like, okay, I'm not really going to take that much time. That's how I got started with this giant goatee of mine. Um, at first, it was you know just a close to the face goatee and mustache with uh, some light sideburns, uh, only because I wanted to cut down my bathroom time, and a full shave on my face took uh, ten minutes or something like that. And I was like, you know, I could probably get out of the house a little bit faster if I only shaved part of my face. Right, so I just decided to shave the you know in between the goatee and the sideburns, and you know the, the neck portion, of course. Uh, and from that, uh, eventually, I was able to find a job where I could let the goatee grow out, i.e., not a food service job. I ended up in the corporate world, working with computers and technology and stuff like that. 
and so finally I was in a position where I could just sort of let it go. And so now I've got the, the giant goatee. But yeah, it was out of uh, my desire to be more efficient with my time. <laughs> or lazy, depending on how you want to look at it. Well, so 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 this change happened simultaneously with, uh, uh, you know, not not to get too. Di- I I have a history of uh, prostate issues in my family, prostate cancer, and you know I'm I'm about 43, 44. I actually forget how old I am exactly, but uh, I'm okay. starting to have pressure. I'm starting to have pressure, and and if I have a belt on and I sit down, it hurts. Mm-hmm. So so I just started wearing suspenders today. And uh, I work part-time at this job on the weekend. So, you know, basically over the week, I, I walk in, I've got this scraggly, ugly, disgusting-looking, uh, you know, chops on the side, <laughs> and I'm wearing suspenders. Are and they rainbow like suspenders? Like, no. Okay. <laughs> no, they're black, they're black but I, I, I walk in looking like some kind of Amish dude, like some kind of Amish wannabe. <laughs> So I think what you need to do is just own that, and like now you got to get like a buggy and a horse. <laughs> and, and when they're, they're like, "Why are you late?" Well, the horse had a problem. I had to refashion his shoe on the way over here, right? You know, or the buggy was leaking again. We couldn't go very fast. <laughs> I'm gonna get some uh, overall. Hey, do you know why the uh, <laughs> do you know why the Amish don't uh, wear a mustache? No, no, I don't actually. So- so uh, the origin. So if you think of like Stalin, for example, like the 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 basic idea of the Russian manly man is always in the power of his mustache. The the kings, the czars, uh, like all of them, it was always about the mustache. The mustache makes the man. It's like I am a warrior and willing to do battle. So with the Amish, since they're you know extreme pacifists. The way of expressing "I am not that" was to grow everything and then shave the mustache. It was like so, like a reaction. Yeah. To that. Wow, I did not know that. That's yeah, cool. they're like, oh, okay, so mustaches are what the like warrior cult does. Okay, we're gonna do the opposite of that. Wow. Uh, I believe I found what I was looking for, and it's called. I'm. I think I'm pronouncing this right. The who, the Hulhe, H-U-I-L-H-E-E, similar to friendly mutton chops or side whiskers, but trimmed mustache and sideburns. It originates in Hawaii. This picture they show shows a guy with, you know, what look to be mutton chops, uh, but they're just slightly undergrown and not as long. Uh, but reveal the chin entirely. So he's got a mustache, he's got the sideburns, and then the cheeks are also grown over, but they, they hang down uh, just at, like, the uh, the jawline level instead of growing further. Uh, apparently that's a hulihi. So, How do you spell hulihi? H-U-L-I-H-E-E. It apparently originated in Hawaii, of all places. Oh. So... At least this is according to Wikipedia. So they could be wrong. Yeah, just, we know Wikipedia is edited by people, and people are wrong. So you know. Yeah, but I mean, a subject like that. I mean, you would really, really have to be some kind of beard nerd to sabotage a Wikipedia page about <laughs> hulagies. What would be fun is if somebody were to like replace 
a couple of these photos with like, oh, I don't know, Peakless Mountaineer, hmm. myself, some of our callers who have beards. <laughs> you know, that'd be funny. Hey, uh, before so, I drop off the line here, because I, I actually do need to go, I, I work tomorrow, but uh, I just wanted to mention uh, for anyone, and also to let you know, and I, you know, I did order a Beard Talk Live shirt. It's great. Hell uh, yeah. Nice. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. No, I mean, it's not a second one. I told you before. But anyway, so what I wanted to say is if you wear a medium normally, order a large. Oh, really? And this happened to me before. I ordered a, a T-shirt a band. Uh, it's like doom metal called uh, Paul Bearer. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of him. And, uh, yeah, it was a real nice shirt. And uh, I ordered a medium. And it's, I, the first time I wore it, it fit fine. Same as the Beard Talk Live shirt, and then I washed it and it shrunk, and it was like a small. Uh, and, uh, I'm just going to order another one. It's no big deal. I'm going to give that one to my nephew. Nice. Thanks yeah. for the advertising. We appreciate it. Yeah, but I just want to let you know, like, you might want to mention that to, to people. Yeah, I uh, I usually wear a 3X t-shirt because, well, I'm not a uh, small bastard. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a large bastard. Uh, and uh, I got my 3X Beard Talk Live and Captain Kickass shirts, and, and they fit me fine. So it might sure. just be, you know, the, the smaller sizes, uh, or, sure. you know, perhaps, uh, you know, they used a different shirt on your order. I'm not sure how, how that all transpires. It's going to be mislabeled. That happens too. But, you know, if, it's, if the shirts are originally manufactured, I've always suspected, I don't know, and it's because I worked at Old Navy, and the size runs, uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't match uh, accurately. Yeah. But uh, one of the reasons was to make people feel better. Right. Get them to buy more. Um, it, it, but the other thing was, like, a lot of these things, they're made in Asian countries, and I always wondered, I don't know, but I always wondered if it's, like, their version, like, Oh like, yeah. They think medium small. It's a different uh, uh, spectrum. I do know what you mean about the the sizing thing to try and make people feel better because uh, if I if I'm at a normal store, you know, uh, a regular retail clothing outlet, you know, uh, Kmart or Kohl's or Target, something like that, uh, Old Navy, that kind of stuff, uh, I get a three X. However. If I go into the extra large men's store, I am suddenly a 1X. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, hey, how come I'm, you know, so much smaller in this? No, no, no. They're just labeling things differently. And, you know, in the regular world, I'm a 3X, but in the fat world, I'm a 1X. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Yeah. All right, Tim. Well, uh, enjoy the job. Thanks for listening. And uh, have a good night. Peace. Yeah. So, guess what I just found out? Uh, what a Shenandoah is? No. Oh, no. Then that's, I, I, I guess, wrong. So, you know how the how I was talking about the uh, warrior cast of, uh, of uh, Russia and that whole area was, uh, like, all about the mustaches? Yeah, yeah. So, I was trying to find out, like, okay, well, so the mustache has to be allowed into the sideburns because... They're named after General Burnsides, right? Oh, I didn't right. know that. Yeah, yeah. A Civil War general known for like the, the big, sideburns. big right, sideburns yeah. that were connected by a mustache. Right. So if you're going to talk about sideburns, you have to allow the mustache to be part of the sideburns. It's very second fiddle. In the same way as I would call a mustache as part of a man's beard, 
if he had both. Well, uh, yes and no, because there are different styles of mustache, right? Not all of them allow for the connection to the sideburns, mm. right? So, Well, it turns out that the, uh, the version with the mustache was the traditional way that the warrior caste of India would wear theirs. So the the kshatriya, uh, right? So uh, I'm just trying to think of what I looked at and what it would be. So Burnside's uh, are the patch of hair in front of the ears, which connects the beard to the hair of one's head. Any extension beyond a simple corner angle on the front side of the beard is considered to be a sideburn. Though they can range widely in size from short and neatly cropped to the distinctly massive mutton chops of Ambrose Burnside, mm-hmm. right, uh, who gave term to its original name. So what they're showing here is mutton chops, uh, but the definition of sideburns does not necessarily include connection to the oh, mustache. Yeah. The, the synchronon is that it's on the side and, you know, connected to your hair. Right. Like, that's the it must exist. Now, Spock, for example, had sideburns. And if you think about Spock's sideburns, evil that's Evil Spock or good Spock? Good Spock. Because evil Spock had a goatee. He did. That's what made him evil, apparently. Uh, apparently, that's the signifier. <laughs> and ever since, if you want to ever, like, indicate a character is the evil version of them, yeah. just give them a goatee. Yeah, like, yeah. everyone, like, writes yeah. that in. Okay. Box checked. One of evil. the one of the most uh, uh, famous yet forgotten villains is Ming the Merciless mm. from the Flash Gordon series. Right, uh, bald, big ass black goatee. Right, he had the big collared, almost you know vampire looking. Uh, I don't cape or whatever that he wore nice, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he was you know uh, a nice big old Dracula collar. Definitely an evil looking motherfucker. Uh, Ming the Merciless, if you haven't looked him up, you can do so. The Shenandoah is the Amish beard. It is a fuller version of the chin curtain in which only the mustache is shaved, allowing the hair on the neck to just grow out. The Shenandoah style was common in the 19th century in Europe and North America and is often associated with the Amish community. Mm-hmm. Often, as in frequently, not often as in a little boy who has lost his parents with an accent. Indeed. In, in, in yeah, indeed. I just thought it was wild that the, apparently mustaches really are all about just beating the shit out of people. Because if you think about it, that was always how we knew the cops. Was there a little... My, yep. What do they call that one? The, co- the, the, the Keystone Cops. Is that the Hitler stash? What's the, what's the Hitler stash? Because that's got a name. It's not called the Hitler stash. It's I'm just pretty a, sure that's called the Hitler stash. No, I... I, I passed by it a little while ago, but it's not called that. Uh, it's called that by me. It's called the toothbrush mustache because uh, right. you got to figure the mustache predates Hitler. So yeah. people well before yeah. Hitler were oh, wearing no, that, that was, style of mustache. That was actually why he wore it is because that was the style that was associated with the common man. Like that was your middle class man mustache. Charlie Chaplin was the first famous man to sport that look. Yeah. So pre-Hitler, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Hitler stole it from Charlie Chaplin. Poor Chuck. Mm. And he kind of got screwed. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin's a weird one. Uh, he did uh, The Great Dictator. Yeah. 
which yeah. like straight up pointed out that he, you know, had the exact same mustache as uh, yeah. Adolf Hitler. And no one ever forgave him for going to uh, a, a movie where we could hear him. It was just too wide of a gulf for people to <laughs> accept that Charlie Chaplin was now in the talkies. People were afraid that audio would ruin the silent film uh, experience. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he he had a fine voice and everything, and he did an amazing job in his one and only talkie. Yeah. Like it was like, oh yeah, if you have a chance to see uh, the Great Dictator, it's uh, it's worth a watch. Uh, before we go to more calls, uh, I just want to point out. Authors coined the phrase computer phobia in the 1990s. Today, almost everyone has a computer in their pocket, i.e. your cell phone. But when these machines were first introduced, they spread a wave of panic and fear at a rapid pace. This fear of computers was so severe that computer phobia became an actual term. A 1996 book titled Women and Computers explains the variety of phobias that surrounded computers. According to the text, computer phobia included everything from the fear of physically touching the computer or of damaging what's inside it to a reluctance to read or talk about computers. They didn't want to even talk about them. They are so mm. afraid. The book also discusses the crippling fear of believing computers could replace people or enslave society as a whole. So apparently the fear of uh, AI is just an extension of computer phobia. Well, to be fair, to be fair, what we are now calling AI is very likely to become something that is so useful that we integrate it into everything and become completely reliant on it. Yeah. You know, kind of like agriculture or, you know, the any wheel. number of inventions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and and if you want to call that enslaving humanity, yep, gonna happen. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, let's go over here. Uh, Beard Talk Live. Who the fuck is this? Well, it's not the fucking Sandman, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, not the fucking Sandman, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, I kind of I was looking up online. There's this website here called iStockPhoto.com. Mm -hmm. It's a dude, there's over 33,000 beard styles uh, and uh, illustrations nice. about people Leave wear it. their beards. Which one's yours? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, right. I, it's, I don't know, maybe a short goatee. Mm. You know, I think Peekless has, uh, his is uh, a hipster beard. How fucking dare <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't have a Pabst Blue Ribbon in his hand, so I'm not sure that that's applicable. Oh, which I meant to mention earlier that the Pabst Blue Ribbon is the thing that lands equally between the upkeep beer and the blackout beer. Oh, the maintenance beer. In the, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, PBR is just a, a, a lesser quality, heavier tasting beer than Coors Light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That but came, it's cheap uh, enough to be your blackout beer. During, uh, uh, when the, uh, what is it, the uh, the Beatniks, when they came out, was real popular. <laughs> the Beatniks. Yeah, wasn't there a whole... Uh, See, Beatnik seems like way more complimentary of an idea than a hipster. Wasn't there like a whole uh, vernacular, like almost a second language surrounding the, the Beatniks? Isn't that where like, uh, you know, I don't know, like, uh, uh, it was on the tip of my tongue and now it's gone. Mm. Uh, hey. Like groovy. 
Didn't, hey. that, didn't that come from the beatniks? Do you know what you do with hipsters? Uh, toss them bar soap. Throw oh, them in hippies. the river. Right. <laughs> Throw them in the river and say, who's mainstream now? <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking of how do you hide money from a hippie? Uh, and the answer is put it under the soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think, wasn't it Lemmy's the one that made uh, mutton chops real popular, wasn't he? Uh, no. I mean, maybe within rock and roll, perhaps. But, yeah. I mean, they I existed mean, well before. Of, yeah, the, these... I've never heard of that style until I saw it. And he was the only one that I knew that wears it. Well, sure. But, I mean, if you go just look at the Wikipedia page, all of these pictures are of ancient dudes, you know, far older than Lemmy. Uh, not all of them, but a large majority of them are, you know, ancient dudes. There's even one that was like a painting of a guy. Yeah, there it is. Uh, the English mustache is a painting of a guy. Uh, so yeah, uh, a lot of these guys, uh, these styles, I mean, just think about how long humans have been alive and how long, you know, trimming and, you know, grooming your facial hair has been around. All of these styles had to have been invented long before any of us were alive, uh, as oh, near as I cool. can tell. So. Yeah, I mean, over 33,000 styles? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. That, that reminds me of, like, what happened to heavy metal. Like, there used to only be, like, one kind of heavy metal. And then yeah. and then there was, like, four, right? And you're like, oh, that's weird. Okay, so we got, we got thrash metal. We got death metal. We've got uh, glam metal, right? Uh, and I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Black metal. Uh, that that metal, came later, black yeah. Black metal. Uh, so at any rate, then all of a sudden there was like three billion genres, and now I just can't keep them straight. I can't anymore. remember what the original four were though. Uh, yeah, I mean that's how bad it is, right? Like I can't. I even think once you got to four. three, it just started reproducing. I'm, and, I'm pretty uh, sure it did. Yeah, uh, doom metal, stoner metal, right? Those all came up later. Ooh, math metal—that's my favorite. Yep. Yep. Because we should really play uh, so fast that I'd no like human can play it. What's that, Rob? I said I only listen to the metal that I like. I mean, that's true for most people, right? You know? Unless somebody else is hanging well, out with you and they don't like your music. You know what I mean? That happens. Well, yeah. my favorite use of metal is uh, put on some Norma Jean to wake up to. You will wake up. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of my former roommates had, I'm just going to say, an absurdly loud stereo system. Right. Uh, he, he bought it to be able to crank tunes uh, at his parents' place, which was way out in the woods, and nobody would ever hear it, no matter how hard, how loud he cranked it up. And so then uh, then he moves to the big city, and he brings this behemoth old stereo system now, separate receiver, right, all that kind of stuff, all the different components, and liquid-cooled speakers, right? You know, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, high-tech of many, many moons ago. But uh, it had a clock built into it with which you could set an alarm. Mm. And if you uh, armed the CD deck with a or several CDs, you could select the exact track that you would want to wake up to. And so uh, Slayer's Rain and Blood, right, uh, was the chosen track. And he woke up the entire goddamn house. This house was three stories tall. It was a, we'll call it a triplex. Uh, so it was, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six bedrooms. So, and I think there was like eight people because some people were coupled up and whatever in this house. And it's just a bunch of roommates sharing a house, right? Getting by. 
Uh, and so one day his alarm goes off at like fucking 6 a.m., right? And the whole house is like, what the fuck, man? I just, I, I woke up, I opened my eyes, I'm like, uh, I just started laughing. <laughs> I, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't not laugh. I'm like, he just woke up the whole house with fucking Slayer. I could hear, like, you could hear over the music, like, people stomping around. I, you couldn't hear anything else. You couldn't hear them go, oh, you goddamn motherfucker, right? You couldn't hear any of the mumbling or anything. But you could, like, you know, hear some people, oh, I got to put a stop to this. And sure enough, somebody went down and, you know, hey, man, turn that fucking shit off. And he did. So, but it was still fucking funny. It did its job as an alarm. It sure as fuck did. We did those same thing back in the 70s, you know, except we played uh, the Star Spangled Banner from Jimi Hendrix live. The st- I'm sorry, you woke up to the Star Spangled Banner by Jimi Hendrix? No, 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 no. I said we used to do that same thing back in the 70s when we played loud music, except we played... Uh, Jimi Hendrix, the Star Spangled Banner that he does live. I see. Yeah, you've never heard it, no? Oh, no, I, I have. I just, I somehow I misheard what but you I mean, said. Well, I mean, that was what was popular back then. Sure. Have you ever seen yeah. Rob uh, online or even in the old uh, DVD days, something called Heavy Metal Alarm Clock? No. <laughs> This was, uh, I think the the one of the guys from Jackass uh, started this. Uh, if you remember those uh, that series of, uh, it was like these dudes doing stupid stunts, right? Jackass. Yep. yep. So uh, what they would do is they would roll like a half stack uh, into like a parent's bedroom while they were sleeping, so they had to do it quietly, right? So they'd quietly yep. set up this half stack, you know, Marshall half stack. Uh, and, you know, like a Les Paul guitar, some, you know, heavy metal guitar, of course. The distortion just, you know, kicked in, right? That kind of a thing. And uh, yeah. so when everything was set, everybody would, like, leave the room, and then they would just crank up the music start playing, right? And, of course, it would startle the fuck uh, out of the parents. And so it was called Heavy Metal Alarm Clock. And they would do this a, a number of times and record it and make little videos of it and uh I believe it turned into a subgenre, like on YouTube. Like I think you can find many different people doing heavy heavy metal alarm clock because it caught on as a small fad. Oh no! Well, all right. Well, can't think I've ever heard of it, but it, but it makes sense though. You know, not only do people need loud heavy metal music, but they deserve it. I was reading an article the other day, and I don't have it here with me for show prep or anything, but uh, but uh, when uh, somebody did a study of people who listen to death metal, right? Now, death metal has some of the most uh, horrifying lyrics that yeah. you can find in art. Uh, and so they wanted to know, like, what happens in the brains of people who listen to this death metal, and what they found was a uh, release right uh, the the same joy that you would get from well any other version of music uh but like their brain would like literally light up uh death metal fans that is their brain would literally oh. light up with all of the pleasure centers right uh, as a form of release the same you would get from like a vigorous workout right all the things they recommend you do to alleviate stress Right, light up the brain in the same way the brains of fans of uh, death metal uh, light up. So they are deriving enjoyment from that. They are releasing stress by participating in it. And the thing that the author speculated 
keeps people listening to death metal. I don't listen to death metal. It's just not my thing. They usually have the Cookie Monster vocals, and that's just too much for me. I can't, I can't get through that. I can't get past that because all I can think of is fucking Cookie Monster. <laughs> I'm sorry, Death Metal. Time, but but hang on, Rob. Hang on, hang on. Cookie, Cookie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the reason the author speculated that people continue to listen to Death Metal is for the camaraderie uh, and the club-like uh, atmosphere of other fans of Death Metal. They're in an exclusive club. Uh, only they, it's sort of elitist, I guess, but only they understand and appreciate the art of death metal and they're happy to be in that club. And when they go to see a live show, they're hanging out with their fellow death metal people. And, and thus they feel like a sense of belonging in addition to a sense of stress relief. Go ahead, uh, Rob. Uh, I was going to say that, uh, I remember hearing about the term death metal a long time ago. And I wasn't sure what that was, but then I heard a song from a group, uh, what was it called? Exodus. They did a song called Today is a Good Day to Die. Yeah, Exodus is thrash metal, though. Uh, they're one of the Bay Area bashers, OG right. thrash metals. Well, um, yeah, that's what I thought it was when I first heard it, though. But, but I learned later on that no, it was no. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, a Six Feet Under is a pretty famous uh, death metal band with the sort of Cookie Monster at the vocals. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, it's like you were saying the uh, the uh, Oscar the Grouch voice or Cookie Monster voice. I yeah. you can't really make out what they're saying. I like Angel of Death. That, that, well, that, no one cares a, about the uh, lyrics, anyways. Well, Just in general for music. I mean, uh, death metal people do because they, that's particular to their genre. The lyrics are generally about grotesque things uh, to either the dead or the dying, mm. right? Like like there's songs like uh, sawing off arms, you know, lyrics that, you know, talk about how to saw off, and, not how to, but like describe uh, the events of somebody sawing like through the bones of an arm, stuff like that. Um, and so the lyrics are particular, like death metal particularly, uh, I believe a requirement is that they have lyrics that are about death or surrounding the dying experience. I believe that's a, a pseudo requirement for death metal. Uh, mm. Of course, art is never that pigeonholed, so there's some variance. But so, were you saying that the uh, uh, release uh, pleasure centers of the brain were activated in a way that is other than other forms of music? No, no, no. It's the exact same. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, so but the the reason that it was studied was because well, people are afraid of what happens to when you listen to art of that nature, right? Mm. Isn't isn't listening to lyrics about, you know, dismembering and bleeding a carcass and, you know, uh, extracting an eyeball, right? You know, this kind of a thing. Isn't isn't listening to lyrics about that doesn't that, you know, say something about you and the character of your person in a negative way that you might actually like turn into like a mass murderer or something like that? And the answer is like no, it's just art, man. Yeah. It's just well, like so, reading a fucking comic book. Well, I think there's uh, there's two major aspects to that particular, right? That, number one, because it is breaking a taboo, mm -hmm. like it, uh, it both puts you into an alternate experience, like this is separate from ordinary life, because in ordinary life we don't break this tattoo. We don't talk about like sawing off limbs in right. the ordinary world, so it makes it something that's kind of special. Right. And also... Because it's uh, a, a forbidden thing, it gives you a sense of identity. 
because it gives you a distinction from your own culture. Yeah. Like, my my culture does not allow this, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> and that kind of ma- makes you a sort of person. But the other thing that I think it, it does is, I mean, music always has been tied up in uh, forms of spirituality and religion. Yeah. So uh, the, the reference, uh, I mean, basically... One of the things that one expects out of a religion is the answer to the question, what happens when I die? And some ability to cope with, uh, with you know, one's own mortality yeah. and to to give you a, uh, a narrative that includes that, that, like, gives you something worth doing with your life as a result. So to have music that is explicitly about that really just uh, it taps into just like there were uh, convents that would be entirely devoted to death and they would have like you know some really grotesque uh, 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 furniture right because yeah. they'd be literally made out of human remains but that was a really effective way of getting people to confront their mortality right and and gain some of the wisdom that can be gained from doing so. Hey, uh, Rob, thanks for the call. We're late for break, so we're going to do that now. Uh, before we go, though, I'm going to take you out with some music. We're going to start this one off with a little song called The One Finger Salute. This is Beard Talk Live.
yeah, the, the Manuel fade out. That that long solo I thought was perfect for a for a fade out. So it's Beer Talk Live, uh, segment two of episode fifty. Nifty fifty. Episode fifty. Beard Talk Live is middle aged. Yeah. No, that would only be if we did one episode a year. <laughs> but since uh, we do them weekly, we did skip a couple of weeks, mm. so they don't count. Those I, are outside time. Right, I understand. But like, does th- does it count that we have been doing the show for a calendar year, even though the number of episodes doesn't match up to doing one every week? Mm. Yes and no. Yes. Well, happy and anniversary. No. Uh, since it's fifty, it's our golden anniversary. Ha ha. Uh, I didn't get you anything. I didn't get you anything. <laughs> oh oh, uh, I did get you this bank collapse. Ah, uh, that's nice of you. <laughs> Just uh, kind of ongoing. Yeah, I got you uh, that organization out of New York. I can't remember their name right now. That. Uh, they're a group of uh, combat veterans, and they go around to uh, schools trying to convince kids not to join the military. Well, yeah, I, that's pretty fucking good news, man. I'd, I'd say you shouldn't have, but I'm really glad someone did. Well, yeah, that. It, no, it's it's like the piece of news. Like when I just I was just like, yes, this is fucking awesome. Mm. Holy fuck, it's about goddamn time. It's like the reverse of, well, what the state does. They send cops into schools to give the entire school, you know, have an assembly or whatever you want to call it, uh, and give them a talk about why they should join the military, right? Right. Well, it's about time some people who joined the fucking military and are like, fuck, don't join the military, like got out and talked to some kids about, fuck, don't join the military. In fact, I think that should be their slogan. Fuck, don't join the military. (laughs) (laughs) You might get invited to fewer uh, public schools that way, but yeah. uh, it would be a little more accurate. Now, what I love about that is it's just people doing the thing. Like, there's there's no, like, oh, we don't need to incorporate ourselves as a 501c3. I mean, I don't know. Really, what it comes down to is just, okay, you, you see the terrible thing that they are submitting us to. Mm-hmm. You can see what the opposite of that would be, and you're capable of performing it. Yeah. So they do. And yeah, that's exactly what it takes. Like, th- this is saving countless lives. Like, it, 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 it might be accelerating the end of, uh, what, what's that word for when the state murders people? Democide. Yes, democide. Slowing the rate of democide. But it's definitely slowing the rate of democide. Yeah. It might be accelerating the end of democide. Yeah. Because if if hiring soldiers just becomes prohibitively expensive, then it doesn't get done. Yeah. Just like every other human activity. Yeah. One of the things um, I wonder is... What if they decided to turn the draft back on? You know what I mean? What if what if they decided to throw that lever? Like I'm I'm well, pretty sure I, I mean they won't dare. 
I'm pretty sure that like like no one has ever campaigned on if you elect me, I'm going to turn the draft back on. And people went, yeah, that's a great idea because it's not. It's a horrible idea. The draft is conscription. It's slavery. Uh, yeah, murder it, slavery. In fact, it, yeah, like, murder. Yeah. Not just slavery, not just mass murder, but right. like you enslave people as murderers. Right. Yeah. You you train them to be such. Yeah. Yes, you recruit them, you you uh, you know break them down and build them up into the thing that you want them to do, which is uh, an efficient killing mm. machine. And there's right. no chance that they're going to do that because th- I don't even think they want to know at this point what their uh, <laughs> probability of success is mm. on that. Like, because re- that's the thing: a certain amount of people always refuse, but the um, the percentage of the people yeah. that refuse is a very telling piece of information. And I'm pretty sure that even they yeah. don't want to know it, let alone give us the chance to know how many of us are already refusing to comply with genocides. Conscientious objecting, uh, you know, uh, that's a phrase that I didn't know what it meant for the longest time, you know. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, that's that's the long and the short of it. Like I. That's why I am, why I am in the way I am and how I even, like, I think that particular phrase, because it's stuck in my head, is how I became uh, anarchist or voluntarist, right? How I, how I realized I'm like, oh, oh, I see, <laughs> right? You know, um, that one may have you know been more responsible, like as a seed that I just carried around with me while I was still a statist. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, but it, you know, we talk about planting seeds, and eventually, people just sow it together for themselves. So many times, I've asked people, you know, how did you become a libertarian, a voluntarist, an anarchist, whatever you, you know word you wish to describe it, and and they'll go something like this. Uh, well, I think that I always was, mm. because like their brain just sewed it all together one day, and and they're like, oh, I get it, okay. Right. Well, so uh, we had a caller in earlier about like, hey, I went to this site and I was curious because I hadn't heard of it. The purpose, as it's stated on the first page anyway, is to tell you which person you're supposed to vote for according to this uh, test that you take. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, that that identity. Right. Uh, We have to do a thing. But first, Beard Talk Live. Who the fuck is this? Hey, this is Riley. How's it going, guys? Riley, what's up, man? Oh, not a whole fuck ton. I'm just hanging out in New Hampshire, listening to Beard Talk Live, and wanted to talk about the ability that we have as people to stand up against the government. And, you know, if we do it every single day, then we're going to make changes. I think about civil disobedience in New Hampshire and how that's made some changes. You know, Bonnie just won her court case. Yep. With a parking ticket, and you know these things are are easy to win here for us because we keep fighting the tickets. We don't pay the fine, <laughs> and, and we just we're gonna waste the government's time and pay, not pay the parking ticket while everyone else just knuckles down and I'll just pay the ticket and I'll 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 pay the fine or whatever. Yeah, most people don't even think of it. They're like, oh shit, another bill I gotta pay by the end of the month. Right. Yeah, they think it's just and, like a, a par for the course on your on your journey through life. Oh, it's just a thing that happens, and you just pay it. 
You know, uh, don't get me wrong. I've paid parking tickets, but also I haven't gotten one in a really long time either. So if you get one, are you taking it to court? I would hope so. I would hope so too. I'd, I'd love to experience that. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way trying to get one though. Right, right. <laughs> if it happens, yeah, right? But, like, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not that kind of a guy. I mean, I think speaking uh, the way that I do as often as I do about how much I dislike uh, the apparatus known as the state, right, uh, that uh, I put myself out there. Uh, I am taking risks, uh, as are all of the hosts who do this show, uh, and, you know, the callers, too, to some extent. Because we know the FBI is listening. Uh, they they made that <laughs> abundantly Abundant. clear in court, <laughs> yeah. you know, during Ian's yeah. trial yeah. and Arya's trial that, that they were like they were like, Here's a clip from last night's show. So clearly they're listening and listening daily, mm-hmm. right, to the show. I up. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, so there you know, at the beginning of the program we do the amble. Uh, and because, well, fuck the FCC. Uh, Riley, we've got you here again tonight. Do you want to do the uh, the other thing? What do we call it? Yeah, let's do it. The amble? Well, this is the amble. Yeah. Oh, it was we, the preamble. We did the preamble. The preamble is fuck the FCC. Because fuck the FCC. Yeah, fuck the FCC. Fuck the FCC. <laughs> uh, let's, let us do the amble. Are you ready? All right. Yes, I'm here, ready. Here we go. Shit, Shit piss, 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 fuck, piss, cunt. Fuck. Cocksucker, Cocksucker motherfucker, motherfucker, and tits. Perfect. All right. Uh, what else did you want to say about human beings in the final so, we have? So, you know, we, we have all this power, and we're not using it to be sovereign individuals over ourselves and be gods over ourselves, basically. Yeah, it's we're terrifying. Outsourcing our, our spirituality to someone else <laughs> who is going to interpret magical <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah, we... we uh, <laughs> Not not we, but like so many of our species are deciding to throw away that part of them that is creative. And because right. it's creative, it is created in the image of the creator Right, is another way to say that idea. Like, yeah, to take that and be like, nope, I'm going to wipe my ass with that. And never make decisions on my own because then I would have to face consequences and know that I caused them. And that kind of self-awareness is just too damn uncomfortable for me. So instead, I'm not only going to hand mine over, I'm going to force you to hand yours over so I feel better about having handed over my ability to make choices for myself. Yeah. And we'll pretend that that's how we have a society, a civilization, a community. Somebody claimed... Uh, the the word hyper responsible as a requirement to be uh, you know a voluntarist mm-hmm. someone of of that ilk and I I don't think that that's true in fact I think that I think if you look at the non aggression principle as sort of a a good rule of thumb right on on how to go about your life right that you will probably experience something that looks like you're a more responsible person, right? Because you just identify things in a simple way. I would say that we are starved of responsibility. Like the very desire for freedom is the desire to make choices that have consequences. Mm -hmm. And that 
is a desire for responsibility. That's true. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the very want of freedom is recognizing that we don't have the responsibility that we're supposed to have. Yeah. We don't have the ability to mm. choose for ourselves those things they are chosen for us. We had no consent in the matter. We weren't asked. We didn't sign up. We didn't go, yep, I'm totally down with that. Because if you came to me, if you came to any reasonable person today with like this idea of like, hey, uh, let's force people out of half of everything that they work for and uh, just keep it mostly for ourselves and a bunch of our friends uh, and create a, a large uh, you know, institution of violence to control the rest of the world, <laughs> would you be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> sign no. me up. Where the fuck do I sign? No, you'd be like, fuck off. That's horrible. But yet we just tolerate it. Like, not we, but like the regular folk, right? And, uh, the, the statists, right? The people who are of the belief that they need to outsource these things to a large organization of violence. And that's the, that's the issue, too, is, you know, these people believe this large organization of violence is the moral authority is the God, so to speak. They, yes. they believe, especially the Christian nationalists, they believe that God has appointed a certain person to be a, a figurehead, a president, and a man with a title. God and, gave us the founding fathers of our country, and that's why we have the best system in the world. And exactly. what place could not claim I, the exact same? Yeah. And I got to ask, yeah. did God give us Stalin? Stalin straight up put Christians yeah. to death. So Pull pot. did the did the God of Abraham and like did, did that God give us the guy that put you to death for for doing that? No. And they'd be like, no, no, no. But there is no way of following slavery and empire at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and slavery and empires. You will love one and hate the other. Hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing is, you know, special pleading is used to say that oh God provided us with a leader, but everyone else is God's enemy. And it's just so ridiculous on its face. I don't recall because the Bible saying anywhere, lead yourself. Oh I don't do that. Oh, dude. It's literally where God says who he is. It's literally the first commandment. The very first part of the first commandment is the identifying structure. I am yod vav your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Mm, I've never been to Egypt. Well, so that's the thing. The whole, like, who they are as a people. Well, so there's this guy, Moses who gave us this exodus from Egypt. Well, why'd you leave Egypt? Well, they enslaved us, and Ex that was not cool. Exodus is from the Bay Area. They're one of the original Thrashmen. Yeah, yeah, we went over that in the first half. Nice callback. I do what I can. But yeah, so they literally define themselves by this 40-year trip through the desert and all, of the, all the whole story that that all is about. So to say, I am who brought you out of Egypt means... Hey, remember that story where we left a place because we were enslaved? I'm the guy that told you how to do that. And in case you didn't get that the first time, I will spell it out. It still doesn't yes, sound like out lead of the yourself. house of bondage. It still doesn't sound like lead yourself. 
Well, if you are in bondage, then you are not leading yourself. If you are leading yourself, you are out of bondage. I mean, unless you're into that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you're role playing. And that's different. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. you can you can role play a rape fantasy. You can't actually role play a rape. Oh. Huh. What do you know? Yeah. It works like that. So you're self directing. Right, right. And that's right. Start in your own like, film, man. It's north and south. Either you're in, Maybe in that's bondage a better analogy. or you are not bound to someone else's will. You you are the and star of yourself. your own film, but you get to direct I it. I can get behind that, yeah. And and I do think that's a big part of why the the patch of Christianity was in there, of of just oh okay crap we did too much focus on how to have a community and we seem to have lost how to have an individual. Okay, here's a story of uh, uh, one from the community uh, being the individual. Mm. Okay. Like, it, it was the update patch. So that you could have the balance of the idea of like, okay, so now that you've got your community to stop fucking up for five minutes, here's what that can produce. Yeah. Is like, here's this person who like learned all this cool shit and was so completely in tune with what makes life happen that they were able to do all this. Yeah. It sounds a lot like the basics of video gaming too, right? Like, uh, well, how many life you get? One. <laughs> right uh sometimes too right if <laughs> occasionally here and there some weird shit happens uh but one is is the basic uh you gotta you gotta go around and find bars of energy or whatever this is called food mm. right you know you gotta either buy or earn or figure out a way that you know you can you know so uh you probably need to defend yourself in some way so you pick up some weapons along the way you know whatever you got you got a pocket knife you got a gun you know whatever it is uh, you know, a baseball bat, you know, whatever it is. Uh, what else happens in video games? Uh, you meet others, mm. go on adventures and shit, ah, and try so, to do cool shit together. So right? that's another one of those technologies that was feared, and I think somewhat rightly so. Now, not for the reasons that they were scared of it, okay. but the fact is that the simulation of a quest, of an adventure, is something that can satisfy your desire to go on an adventure Mm -hmm. and that is fucking dangerous well i mean it's It's not the danger anyone saw but there was actually a danger like okay but i've been around tech long enough Uh, that's just the precursor to the holodeck (laughs) right and i'm just saying like that like you don't get to the holodeck without going through the current state of video games first Right. That all needs to continue to just be and be as entertaining as it you know needs to be and uh, artful and creative. Okay. And and if it, but, it connects human beings across the world instantly, like I don't see anything wrong. We with that. also need to be sufficiently wary of it that we don't get distracted, because frankly, if no one starts discovering shit, well, we're going to be in, in right, a really unfortunate situation, sir. OK, but that again points to humans as the problem, not the technology. Well, that's the thing. If you take the, the human potential out of them by distracting them on fake quests, on simulations of adventure, then you can keep them from the actual adventure. What makes, life. What makes, yes, what makes exactly. one fake and one real? Uh, seriously, do you know the difference between 
your real life in a video game? Like, I'm just asking you to elucidate it in case there's somebody listening that doesn't. I find your question offensive. <laughs> okay, but it's a question nonetheless. Well, like, I, like I've said before, I had a friend who, like, I mean, I have I, played. I keep eating and I'm still hungry and then dawned on him what had happened. Now, at that moment, he could have made two choices. He could have gotten a sandwich and gone back to the fucking video game and ruined his goddamn life. Or done what he did and gone, shit, I've gotten way too into this. I'm mistaking my simulation for myself. That's Flipped off the damn thing and went back to life. Again, that's not a tech problem. That's a human problem. That's an addiction. Well, that's an addictive behavior. It's the same thing uh, people who drink you know, alcohol and do other drugs or whatever, right? Some people are more susceptible to become addicted to things than others because we're all unique individuals and, you know, your tolerance, it's like D&D. What's your uh, addictive uh, hit points or, you know, whatever, right? And you're like, mine's uh, 85. Well, mine's only 12. plus two. Right, yeah. Uh, hey, cast me a spell, right? I need to bump that up a couple or whatever, mm. right? So, like, but, like, what makes the video game any different than old analog Dungeons mm. & Dragons? Well, nothing they're the same they're the exact same thing it's just a different medium right you're just you're playing a game you you are doing it. it is a community event or it's at least a another human being most if you're not playing the computer right if you're collaborating online all these video games with like you know people from all different places with characters getting together in these role-playing games man yeah and like if, that's and if that had taken the entire world by storm so to speak then we'd be worried about the effect of that because if it becomes too distracting, then it stops us from actual gain. Because that's the ultimate important difference between the adventure of your life is something that actually is part of life right. and its process. And, I mean, the fact that I ate today is because so many people made this thing that feeds us. What fear did you get over today in order to eat? Hmm? What fear did you get over today what in order to eat? What fear did I get over in order to eat? Yeah. You were drawing this back to fear. Right, so here here's the pattern. Technology gets invented. People go, ah, it's gonna fill in the blank. <laughs> right, okay. reason um, to fear it. And then years go genetically by. Genetically modified organisms. Years go by. We read an article that basically we laugh at because people did exactly what I just described. Right. So why can't people get over their fear of the new and the unknown? Because every now and again, it does actually kill everyone. The tech, any no. massive Humans. change in any massive change in environment, any massive change in environment has the potential to end the species. And I'm the fact is that in that humans, we are the ones changing our environment. Really? I'm going to suggest that when people, because you know, people fear the unknown is made might be an evolutionary thing because you know you feel experience the unknown emotions or unknown sounds or whatever, it might be your survival. Sure, it's a survival instinct. And so, you know, we got to learn how to deprogram ourselves, basically, and stop living in the fear oh, world. It's, it's called courage. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Right? People and just need to have a little more... That's the reason why I'm here in New Hampshire is, is I'm trying to exercise some courage in my life to live free in an unfree world, even if I... the world I'm trying right. to live and is my own inner world. Having made the move myself, congratulations and welcome home. Yeah, you're Thank in the right you. place. Yeah, it, it does <laughs> take, and you're going to go through a period of adjustment, man. You know, uh, we, we all do, uh, but uh, I, I can't say that I would rather be anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it's still 
so hard from time to time. I think that might be one of the uh, the most unifying factors mm. uh, of you know the the liberty movement in New Hampshire is that we've all outside a of the, shared adversity. Yeah, uh, outside of the folks who are part of like the Free State Project or friendly to the communities that that were born here and grew up here, like everyone else moved here intentionally, mm. and and that is the for me the big bonus the intention mm. right now yeah some people are going to come here and make it a little worse some people mm. are going to come here and make it a little better we uh we all decided to pick up the same cross right. so to speak uh, like we picked uh, up yeah. this uh okay. set of difficulties yes we all tribulation but it's the intention <clears throat> part we intend to be more free right now i know this about human beings um when it comes to stuff like uh like weight loss right uh, there have been uh, people who have been able to lose uh, weight just by thinking about losing weight every day intentionally, right? Like it's at the forefront of their mind. They remind themselves to think about, you know, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about losing weight right now. They, they, if you have an internal monologue going on inside your head, that's what you're telling yourself. And like people apparently have lost 10, 15 pounds just by thinking about it because now it's they intend to. Right? They're not really consciously taking any actions, right? So if you can change uh, people's intent or at least concentrate intent uh, in an area, I think that that has far more power than uh, a military, than an empire, right? I think the power of intent is what is going to uh, make the freedom movement successful. Hmm. We all intend to be successful. We come together intending to be successful mm -hmm. as a community, help each other, you know, through the ups and downs and that kind of a thing. But like, we just intend to be more free. And I think it's because of that, that we will accomplish it. Hmm. I don't know how that's going to happen just yet. Well, I can yeah. say that on on at least the very least level, the fact that we have the same intention mm -hmm. means that on a, on a quantum physics level, because we are measuring the same thing, we are all adding our ability to move it into energy or matter at the same time. So on a quantum physics level, that that really does intensify the power of each organism mm -hmm. by having it on the same intention you put it on the same measurement. Right. So, yeah, every single one that we add to this brings more of it into reality, which is why you see things starting to sprout like, uh, oh, let's just reverse the thing where they, like, brainwash them into joining the military. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could just go <laughs> yeah. do that, couldn't we? Yeah, let's just go reverse that. Oh. Flip the switch. Yeah. And it's important. We got to flip that switch in our own minds, too. Yeah. That's that's a good uh, term for, I think, what happens to statists when they become voluntarists a switch. Right? Yeah. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. When the switch went off, it was probably like a good year before. Like, I felt comfortable as a person again. <laughs> like, I was a bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. in my skin. You know, I'm like, oh my God. 
it really is a bunch of bullshit and like it's just people contri- like like holy fuck here's all of the evidence oh and i'm so i'm so blind i couldn't see right you know i i just i i just i couldn't tell like i i felt like the wizard of oz the matrix right you know we're like oh my god and then the first thing you want to do is fucking tell everybody yeah right? you're like and, and everybody guess what i found out you're not going to believe me and then they don't <laughs> people with titles are just people with titles. We don't even have to believe them. Yeah. What is this lunatic on about? Yeah. Those titles yeah. are important. They had to spend years getting those titles, some of them. They're expensive. <laughs> they have to be real. Uh, and then you get ridiculed for saying those things, right? Uh, yeah. but, but then you move to like New Hampshire and then you get on a show of some kind. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. Well, so the, the the unreality of those things that are important is a big part of why I don't think that they'll ever do the draft. Like right now, they have people voluntarily killing themselves for the government. <laughs> I don't think they can take the, the ideological hit of saying, yeah, we're no longer willing to let you just sacrifice yourselves to this idea. Do it or we'll kill you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The or else comes in. Right. Uh, every law, uh, every everything that politicians write down, every ordinance, uh, what are the other terms for these things? Ordinance, law, statutes, statutes yes. All of statutes, these things. Yeah. All of these things. I don't remember who said it, so I'm sorry I can't credit the right person. Uh, but it was like an author or somebody who's quoted. Uh, but they go, uh, uh, all of these things should end with or else. Right. <laughs> What other organization yeah, like has that, right? Yeah. Like if you go, yeah, it, it totally makes sense for the state to have or else. But, you know, if you read through your employee handbook for your you know corporate job or whatever, it doesn't say like, you know, you're expected to be at work core hours of like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or else. Right. It doesn't say that. No other organization can get away with saying or else except the government. Yeah. Well, the church doesn't. Well. Mm. And and this, of course, you know, well, I, I do believe that statism is a religion. I I agree. It has all of the hallmarks. It has all of the pageantry. It has all of the, you know, or else. <laughs> At least with religions, there's a bunch of people who've seen through each particular hierarchy. Problem is with the state, that's not usually the case. I'm I'm not anti-religion. What I am is anti-religion that results in democide, mm. right? Yeah. Well, and that's why religion really just isn't that much of a problem. Like, like well, it doesn't have the teeth. Apparently, everybody is just fine with other people murdering other people mm. as long as they can just go about their day. Sorry to say, I'm not fine with that arrangement. Thus, <laughs> here I am. That's all I got here. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, speaking about freedom, it's, for me, one of the big important freedoms here that I have learned that I've really started to enjoy more is the freedom to smoke cannabis. Hmm. And I didn't get that freedom in Utah. I mean, my friends said I should get a medical card, but I was not <laughs> willing to, <laughs> to 
put my name in some government database just so I can have permission to smoke cannabis. I like to make the bastards work for it. That's really my motto when it comes to things like that. And putting my name on a list yeah. of people who like to flaunt our culture is something that doesn't sound like making the bastards work for it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And also... uh if, oh, also, uh, it would prevent you from ever owning a gun in a lot of circumstances. That's what I was, I was going to point out, that that has been tied to uh, gun ownership, either potentially or currently, depending on what state uh, you live in. And uh, no, man. Like, oh, you're going to say that because somebody has a weed card, they can't own a gun? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Go Stuff, right like that's just the most ridiculous fucking thing right <laughs> it'd be really like oh, oh if you took aspirin you can't have a, a fucking weapon go fuck yourselves right like there is no danger to marijuana at all period we've known this for fucking ever no it know, was it, it was always like a culture war so the thing was that marijuana has always been something that poor people do to get fucked up it's always been that. It's weed. Yeah. It grows like a weed. It's, it's easy as fuck to grow. So poor people <laughs> can get a hold of it. So it has always been, and in America, it was mostly a racist thing. Yeah. Because the poorest people throughout, on average, the country were black people. Yeah. So, yeah, they picked their <clears throat> cheap drug. Oh, that jazz music. That's why it's got that strange beat, you know, is because they're on their drugs. <laughs> that may actually be true. <laughs> it might have that strange beat um, because they were on, on the marijuana, right? Like, dude, I, I love so weirdly enough, playing part music of the, part when of I'm the... high. I really do. On, on the guitar. Like, I love playing the guitar <clears throat> when, when I'm high on weed. It's just great. I love it. Whether it's just, you know, me jamming out by myself or I'm in a full-fledged band... Uh, if I'm baked and doing it, I'm like, this is great. I just so enjoy it. Uh, and a lot of people feel the same way who, uh, like creative people, right? Marijuana has always been sort of the the vehicle for creative people. Like if you, you run into like, like if you got to produce like for your job or your money or something and you run out of creativity, uh, you're like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? You, well, you just, you know, take a hit, man, and relax yeah. for a minute. And all of a sudden an idea <laughs> comes to you and you're like, oh, I got it now. And then you just, you know, get on with it. Mm. Right. Uh, it it many people credit marijuana for that type of experience, uh, as do I. Yeah. yeah I, as far as I know, every area that has had any prolonged exposure to cannabis has always put it into a religious connotation at some point or another. Mm. And in America, it's a it's a counter religious, but it's kind of a religious connotation. Like you are the anti religion of government <laughs> culture. Because we say so. The Church of Bud. For reasons. <laughs> yeah. No, Bud is the yeah. is the founder of the Church of Weed. Right? He's the uh, he's the guy. Right? The the, the deity. I guess so. <laughs> His name is Bud. Yeah. Or Shifa. No, I believe Shifa would be a uh, uh an ambassador. <laughs> uh -huh. Just making shit up. Well it's that devil <laughs> weed, don't you know? Yeah. Listen to Jesus, Jimmy. Don't get hooked on the marijuana. Anyway. So speaking of speaking marijuana, of I've been doing, hmm? doing 420 rallies in Railroad Square on Fridays. I'm going to do one tomorrow on Sunday. Nice. This week. 
So if people want to come, if you're listening to the show and you're in New Hampshire and you want to come out, come support. Even if you don't partake. Yeah. I want to turn this into a big party event again and celebrate that freedom that I have here in New Hampshire with other people instead of just hanging out by myself and doing it alone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, use it or lose it, people. Like... At the moment, we seem to have chilled out on a number of things, so make sure to go do them so that we stay chilled out about certain things and eventually, like, fully recognize on paper and everything that we're kind of okay with this. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Maintain your liberty. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's all about what you do. What do you keep doing? Yeah. And... Right now is kind of a crucial moment for that because, like, yeah, we're the, we're the last part of New England that doesn't uh, uh, allow you to choose this medicine. And right now we really need to start figuring out, well, hey, guys, do we get to choose our medicine or not? No, it, it does actually allow for that. In New Hampshire, I mean, there's no retail outlets, right? But if you wish to choose that as your medicine, you may. Yeah, you're just not allowed to buy it. Well, sure you are. New Hampshire is a very small state. It's like, you know, you're probably at most an hour away from another state, right? Uh, maybe two if you got to drive all the way across from the other side or something. But no, like from the middle of the it. state, you're probably an hour away from another state where there is legal weed. Well, you're just not allowed to, you know, buy it or grow it or have it at any point. All of those are finable offenses. Well, they are finable, yes, but they've made them the least enforced right so the bottom of the list oh if you think they're least enforced no 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 try uh, growing there are things that you should not do i'm not advocating for doing any of that <laughs> uh but i am saying that like if you have a small amount for personal consumption on you uh you can walk down the fucking street and smoke a joint and nobody's gonna do shit and that's the nice thing about living in new hampshire is that's gonna happen utah might be a different story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Although I did live in Seattle, and so I kind of already experienced that before I got here. Um, and I can tell you what I don't like about where it is, quote-unquote, legalized, unquote. Wait, no, quote, legalized, unquote. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Uh, is yeah. that they homogenize all of the stores. They don't allow for any fucking creativity. Like... Uh, in a in a free world, we would see uh, the coffee shop slash uh, marijuana store. Not a one of them fucking exists in the legal yeah, states that I'm aware get of. Get your coffee and get some weed. Right, the state is like, Smoke nope, can't do that coffee. shit. Uh, all all the stores kind of look like Apple stores. Like, really, they're all this very like clean, you know, cut and like not very artistic place. There's a few places that allow that, but you have to get outside of major metropolitan areas to get, you know, any sort of like resemblance to, you know, creativity or differentiation. If you go to uh, pick a restaurant, right? If you go to that one and then you pick another restaurant, you go to that one, you can fundamentally tell the difference between the two, right? With the weed shops in legal states, they you can't. They're all homogenized uh, as much as fucking possible. And it sucks. They might carry different product lines and all that kind of stuff, but they all, they're over-regulated. They all need to look a certain way in order to conform to the rules that have been set forth on how to open and operate and run a legal marijuana shop, 
right? Instead of allowing people to be creative with it and integrate it into society in a more natural way, right? I think coffee and marijuana complement each other insanely well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why Amsterdam, they were popular or still are, right? But they don't allow that here, right? So there are bad sides to having the state sort of tell you how you're going to run your business. Right? There there are. And it's really sad to see that So you're saying so we shouldn't do fascism? Fuck. Right. <laughs> no. Fuck no, dude. Fuck no fascism. I'm saying that New Hampshire, if they want to, you know, sort of lead the way, would just go ahead and remove marijuana laws altogether. Mm. You know what would be really beautiful is if uh, we went just went ahead and ratified uh, something like what actually got proposed, where we just say, yeah, drug war's over in New Hampshire. Like, we're not going to do any of the federal uh, narcotics laws. Like here. Oregon did with the, yeah. we just said, yep. So, yeah, we're, we're just not doing federal sure. narcotics law here. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be fucking great. Yeah. Yep. I mean... Look, I'm glad that not everyone fell for the whole, like, universal lockdown police state for eternity thing, but, like, we need to get out of that the fact that we actually own our bodies and get to pick what their medicines are and what they aren't. Yeah, I agree. Can't have people have too much freedom there, Pekla. They might abuse it. Uh, Oh, I know. Scary. It's scary, scary. It should be. It should be that people cannot have too much freedom. Not that people cannot have, right? Like, it's like well, I seek the maximum amount of freedom possible. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. you'll do too. Uh, I. But most people are like, yeah, I got like ten percent freedom. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's not enough, man. You know, I need more than that. And so here I am. Yeah, I'd just like to see it tried. Like, look, we tried all of the other versions of statism. We've done all of them. Everything. Every crazy bullshit idea you come up with, we've tried. It all sucks. Multiple times. Could we just try the other thing once? Just once. Just to see what happens. Uh, You you immediately make everybody a president. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) You are now president of your fucking self. Congratulations. Yeah. You have been elected. Yeah. To be president of a very important thing. You. (laughs) You now get to make all of the decisions about everything that you ever do uh, from here on out. Well, that's radical responsibility. That makes me an extremist, apparently. Yeah. Like, I want you to be the president of yourself. Right? The best candidate. Look in the mirror. It's you. Run your own damn fucking life. I've got it. Leave everybody else the fuck alone. I've got it. We'll counteract the the uh, uh, the bad name we got with anarchism with uh, radical radical responsibilism. <laughs> yeah, I'm a radical responsibilist. <laughs> yeah, people are like you got <laughs> radicalized. No, I got rationalized. Mm. Right, I became more <laughs> rational. Right, and like oh. Rational people don't do things like that, right? Oh, rational people behave in this way. Oh, I am more rational, 
right? I didn't get radicalized. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's more, it, which is it, radical or rational to want everyone to voluntarily enter into every agreement ever? Is that radical or rational? I think it's rational. I'd say rational. Yeah. Why not both? Well, it is radical rationalism. Yeah. Oh, did we invent a thing? Radical rationalism? Yeah. Mm. The two R's. Radical rationality? Yeah, well, no, no, it's got to be a movement. Let's go with yeah. ism. <laughs> now give me tithe. God damn it. Fucking tithe me. I hate isms. <laughs> Here is your armband. Tithe. I will give you a rank. <laughs> uh, if the uh, if the laundry soap tithe ever runs into like financial troubles, they could just change their name to tithe mm. and then charge 10% more. Yeah, they just uh, they just restructure as uh, as a religion, and then they uh, don't have to pay the taxes. It's great. No, no, we worship cleanliness. You know it's close to god to godliness already. Yeah. Uh, here's the difference yeah. between uh, religion and statism, right? Or all other religions mm. and statism is that uh, uh, <laughs> the other religions don't have militaries, right? There's one. Sure. There's only one that does, and it's the statists. They have militaries, yep. right? They're the yep. only ones. Like, you know, you don't see a bunch of Buddhists running around with like guns and like trying to force other people into their fucking religion, right? Uh, you, you don't see like Christians uh, doing the same thing. Although some would argue that politics has been dominated by Christians, you got a point. But like generally speaking, the religion at least doesn't claim that that's part of their religion, right? Uh, and most religions don't. In fact, they claim the opposite of that, that like people should be free and they shouldn't be controlled and subjected and dominated and, and you know, uh, abused and all that kind of shit. Taken from, made slaves, all that shit. People should be free. It's commonly, the, like around the globe, if you ask people, do you think it's uh, a human desire to be free? People would be like, fuck yeah. Right. At least I hope so. Right. Most. I mean, there'd be some people like, no, I don't want to be free at all. Right. Well, but like the majority of people, I think, would be like, yes, I choose freedom in their mind. But then if you point out to them how they're not free, they're like, fuck you. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're defensive. Well, yeah. On your point of uh, of religions. Depends. So there are some religions that are founded on the idea of like, we are better. And subjugate others by hook or by crook. By hooker? <laughs> so there are some religions that have a state built into them. Sure. I mean, uh, statism obviously evolved out of religions, right? Religions uh, were the first governments, right? Uh, and they did have, you know, militaries and, and that type of a thing as religions. I mean, holy wars is nothing, nothing new. Uh, but once statism sort of uh, detached itself from all the other religions and sort of became like its own religion that all religious people seem to believe in, like from all different religions, right? Name a religion. There's somebody who's like, it, I, like I'm Buddhist or whatever. It's like, well, but you're you voted, right? Yes, I did. Like, well, you're a mm. fucking statist, right? Right. So like, you're inconsistent with your own philosophies. Uh, in in that way, like so, statism is an equal opportunity uh, hater in that respect. Mm -hmm. Like it will it will be the god of all the religions and and functions as such. Currently, in my opinion, yeah. 
Yeah. They they say that America is a Christian nation, and I, I believe we proved once and for all that uh, no, no, there is no Christianity that is really that prevalent in America. I mean, where was the resistance when the churches were closed? Right. If this was what people believed, what they really believed, they wouldn't have said, okay, we will obey you instead. So the yeah. the Church of the Holy Establishment, yeah. like the establishment, it is holy. Rules that are uh, that apply to me do not apply to them. They are set apart. That's what people believe. Not all of them, but so many that I can't really pin even Christianity to America. We have pockets, mm. pockets of people that would not be that would not bow down to this new God. Yeah. Uh, and uh, most of the religions are violating some sort of their, their religious code uh, or belief system uh, by exercising statism. Yeah. So like, you know, reconcile that, I think, right. I think if people just start to reconcile that like within themselves, it'll become abundantly clear that, Oh my God. It, like like I said earlier, like you, the switch goes off. You're like, oh, fuck. Well, and that's the rest of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, putting aside a lot of baggage, whatever it is that you decide is the thing that you're going to serve, make it the thing. And don't yeah. let any other gods usurp its place. Yeah, certainly don't don't make a man into your god, which is what people do when they elect people. Yeah, right. Like it's yeah. If it's a if it's like a, a dictatorship or something like okay, you didn't have a choice, right? But through the magic of elections, right, people can just change the di dictator from every once in a while, uh, and that dictator uh, is still very much their god because they control literally. Their hands are in fucking everything. Name a name a an area of human life in the United States that the government doesn't have their hand in. I can't name one. No one can. Yeah. So, I mean, if that like that's just such an obvious one, right? And there's so much more. It's so much further. It's so much deeper than that. Right? There are so many other things well, that are blatantly obvious that it, people just over fucking look. I'd like to I'd like to cut that a little finer though. So there's certainly no place that they do not attempt to rule. Okay. But there definitely are places where people aren't thinking about what the government wants them to do while they're making certain decisions. I think most people aren't thinking about what government wants them to do while they're making certain decisions. When they're going about their day-to-day -day life, most people don't think about government. It's true. That's part of the problem, I guess, is that like not enough people are putting thought into what government is. Like, like ask yourself, what is government? You think you know, but do you? Allow yourself to re-examine it if you think you know what it is, because you're going to find that it is the most pervasive, parasitic uh, agency of violence that is responsible for most of the heinous crimes of humanity. That should be enough. Yeah. That should be enough that for everyone to be, be like, oh, fuck, yeah. you're right. Holy fuck. The evidence supports that. It's blatant. It's obvious. The information exists. Go and find it. 
and and you know the 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 synapses hopefully kick in, man, and the switch goes off, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. The ends do not justify the means. Yeah. Yeah, and the the nature of a threat is to get you to overrule that. They do a good job of it, too. Like, I was so fucking pissed off, man. And, you know, after the switch went off. I was like, you know, kicking myself, you know, for a long fucking time, man. Like, yeah. oh, you stupid mother. Like, you know, berating myself, right? You know, like, how could you be like, oh, my God, right? Mm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I have learned exactly how deep this con game goes. And honestly... I can see how some people would be discouraged to see that much raid against them. I, on the other hand, look at it like, A, they have that much raid against us and we still keep waking up. And B, yeah. like, oh, the times that I've been fooled, like, man, they were the most amazing charlatans that our species has ever produced. It's okay to get, you know, had by them from time to time. It's just not okay to stay had by them. Yeah. I was just so unaware, you know, and people like we other were, Captain. I, I know, but, but like other people were like, you know, people would tell me that you seem smarter than other people and shit like that. Right. And I was just like, whatever, I'm a, I'm a dork. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and then like, and then I wasn't right. <laughs> Somehow, some way I figured it out. The synapses went off, the switch went off for me. And I was like, Okay. Now I know. It's important information. Yeah. Well, it changes the way you to... put things together, you know. What's that, Ryan? I'm going to say, I'm. yeah, it's important to make that, that shift in consciousness every once in a while, especially when it comes to statism and liberty. You know, when, when the switch goes off, you got to think, oh, shit. I got to fucking adapt to new thinking and new ways of thinking. And that's challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things is that ordinary people just can't imagine how devious a politician actually is. Like they just literally the can't imagine thinking that way. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, just, so when it happens, the they're idea. just completely caught off guard. Just it's like, no, 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 they, they, they were accidentally fucking up every single part of our lives. <laughs> mm. Really? Just the idea of having a person with a title and calling it an office is just so silly. <laughs> Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and like the robes, dude. The robes. The, robes. Yeah. the fucking robes. The yeah. Fucking robes. You know, my robes. Or <laughs> <laughs> a suit and a tie. Well, you how know. do you know? Well, ultimately, the answer of how do you know? Robes. Yeah. I mean, if that's not a dead giveaway, right? I, I don't know how else to convince you. Two plus two is four. How do you know? Robes. <laughs> robes. Dude in a square hat with a robe. Said to said to said to said to me. Yeah. Robes. And, and, and the predecessor to the robe, the 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 white hair wigs, 
Mm, no, no, no. Those those are the uh, former accessory. Oh, okay. Well, to that particular uh, uh, strain of robedom. Either way, this is uh, decorating people in a specific way to give them deity status. Mm. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, that's why the robes. That's why the the, the white hair wigs. That's why you know, all religions have their version of that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some sort of wear that the the official church people wear in order yeah. to you know separate them from everyone else. Yeah. The uh, the pharaohs would have every single hair of their body plucked so that you would never wow. know that they were going gray, because they're supposed mm. to be the incarnation of a deity. So aging isn't really supposed to th- be a thing you notice. <laughs> Interesting. And in that same way, it's that uh, deifying of it. It's why, oh, it's definitely a perfect white hair. Then you get that one pharaoh who like ages prematurely. Right. He's he's going bald and gray at like twenty two <laughs> or whatever. Hey. On the on the bright side, they had great headwear for the for the bald spot. It was uh Oh really? Oh yeah. Was it art? You could tell it well, it looks like a giant vase and uh, you can tell which which Egypt they rule by which yeah. one they're wearing. Huh. And they might possibly be cone heads. So there's that. Like Saturday Night Lifestyle? Yeah, like Saturday Night oh, Lifestyle. Jeez. Like legitimately it is a possibility. Because, I mean, there's been more than just Homo sapiens sapiens, and the admixtures have had some interesting effects. Like, I'm convinced that the giants that are, are told about in, in the old stories, at least the ones that are actually talking about real giants that happened, yeah. I think it was just a, a genetic anomaly where you ended up with, uh, in the same way as uh, lions and tigers can have a, a version that just doesn't get the gene to stop growing. Right. Right, so in the same way, I think that there were uh, certain variations that ended up with giant fucking heads. And one of the things that you can do with giant fucking heads is to point them upward so that they don't look like these giant jutting out the back of your head, and, you know, then you look all uh, hoity-toityer because things that are higher can actually hit us harder. Fact. Hmm. Yeah. So since you're now taller... You are now more powerful. I saw a meme that was um, critical of, uh, you know, some ancient tribe worshiping the sun. And and the response was, the sun is fucking real. (laughs) (laughs) Of course we worshiped it. (laughs) We can see it every day. Yeah. (laughs) Or almost every day. Yeah. 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 Sun worship has been so prevalent in human existence. That's actually why they wrote it the wacky way they did in Genesis, where they talk about not the sun and the moon, but the greater and lesser light. Mm, Now, it's obvious as fuck as it possibly could be that that's what they're talking about, but they won't say sun and moon because in like every single language ever, at least up to that time, yeah, the word for sun is also the name of the deity that is the sun. (laughs) Name's already been taken. Try another domain name. Right. Right. Yeah, everyone, like, those are the same word. Yeah, Jupiter, Jupiter. Right. So sun worship has been that prevalent. Yeah, I mean. And to be fair, I do think that that is, uh, I I think it's alive. And I think that it is a, a level up from us. But it is also subject to the same rules of physics that think, we are. You think stars are and creatures? And so it's it, it also has the same like supreme being to us. 
You think uh, stars are are creatures? Oh, organisms? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if you, I, I've had the privilege of actually looking at what of, the what the uh, the activity on the surface of the sun looks like. Yeah. Which is amazing, and I look at that and I'm like, that is extremely similar to neural firing, because I've I've seen some of that video as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I've seen the parts of the brain activating in different ways. Yeah. And I look at the the activity of the surface of the sun and I'm like, that is extremely similar. And then I contemplate how big the sun is. So to have that kind of a surface area on which to do a nervous like activity, okay, I'm sorry. I think the sun's conscious. And if that's so, like, okay, then you have something that's a consciousness on a, that's intertwined with us and on a completely higher level, just like I have to my cells. This uh, brings... My question is... Okay, go ahead. My question is, do you guys think the Earth is conscious? Oh, yeah. In, in ways that we can't imagine. I that mean... Include, <laughs> that include among them... Us, we are one of the ways. I don't know that, that it has its consciousness. I don't know that it's conscious, but it certainly is an organism. It's a living thing. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, who am I to say? What you know? But like, I say that because I, I, I remember the the Carlinism, and it's uh, you know, when planet Earth is done with human beings, it'll shake us off like a bad case of fleas. Right, the, the hubris humans have to the like other... think that they might destroy planet Earth. No, mm. humans will destroy humans. Mm. Earth will be fine. So the other side of that coin, though, is that Earth is not shaking us off like a bad case of fleas. Right. Yeah. So Earth is perfectly happy having us here. Right. Like we are intentional. So I mean, the idea of the Earth not being conscious. Do you think that your liver is more aware of itself than you are? No, I don't, but now I think... it has a certain thing that is kind of like an awareness of itself, and that contributes to your awareness of yourself, but it's on a completely different level. Sure. So why on earth would the thing that you are a part of be different? Hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it's not alive. I'm saying it's not conscious. Yeah, and I'm saying that I incorporate the uh, feedback system of my liver into my... Uh, feedback system of self-awareness. And what does the earth do? It does that too. It incorporates so, your liver? It incorporates the <laughs> awareness of humanity into its awareness of itself. Oh, so we're like a decentralized uh, neural net of awareness for the planet? Yes. Mm. Oh. The planet's wearing us like a like a, a space fabric designed to just increase its awareness? Well, so the, the biological organism of the planet includes such features as humans that function as part of a nervous system and chickens that function as part of a digestive system. In science fiction terms, you're saying we are the Earth's sensor array. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it, and it has specialism in a lot of its digestive systems. And those are made of other organisms. Uh, I wanted to, I, I just, this popped into my head. I was reading this earlier, uh, last week even. Uh, this one was published on August 17th. Scientists recreated a Pink Floyd song from a listener's brainwaves. So they attached uh, some neural sensors to a person's head and 
they uh, asked the person to remember uh, a song that they know very well, and it just happened to be a Pink Floyd song, uh, Another Brick in in the Wall, Mm -hmm. uh, part one, and just to try and listen to it in his head from memory. Right, see if he could hear the song and like imagine that he was listening to the song in his head from memory, mm-hmm. and so he did that, and the sensor array was able to you know run through a computer and an algorithm and some software, whatever the fuck, and it actually played back the song. It's muffled, you know that kind of a thing. I don't know if we actually have audio on this. Uh, no, that's that. Well, that is deeply disturbing. Uh, like oh crap we we are uh, a lot closer I'm sorry, to dream reading than i thought we were it wasn't it wasn't one person there were 29 participants mm. who were asked to do the, the huh. thing from memory hmm. and so i think we have audio give me just a second here i think this will do it For those of you not familiar with the actual song, here's the original. Well, that's disturbing. Wait, one, one more time with the with the one that it was reconstructed. I mean, that's for for getting that from people's brains, right? Like just the fact that they can get it and it resembles the thing that they were going for, right? If they were even indeed going for it, they, they must have. They played uh, the, the Pink Floyd song to 29 participants with epilepsy. So these were epileptics hmm. specifically. I hmm. wonder why they chose epileptics. Uh, as treatment for their epilepsy. Oh, that's why they chose uh, the participants already had electrodes implanted in their brains per the time. So uh, this was a subset of people that were already outfitted for, for gear, for brain-computer interface. That's why they chose them. Uh, they had electrodes already implanted in their brains. The song played in the operating room while the patients underwent surgery meant to prevent seizures, according to Fortune's Aaron Prater. The researchers trained a computer model on the brain data from participants as they listened to about 90% of the Pink Floyd song, but the remaining 10%, a 15-second clip from the middle of the track, was left out of the training data. Uh, Instead, the team asked the algorithm to recreate the section of the music from the brain activity based on patterns it had learned. The team trained 128 models each operating at a different frequency, and together they match specific electrode signals to certain characteristics of music. Uh, Beyond creating a haunting piece of music, the study also provides insight into which specific parts of the brain are involved in music perception. It found that both hemispheres play a role, but the right hemisphere is engaged more than the left, which supports findings from other work according to the study. Uh, It goes on to talk more about the elements of the research. Uh, the, the researchers chose the Pink Floyd song for this study in part because it contains 
a mix of sung words and instrumental sections, but they had another reason, too. The participants just love Pink Floyd. (laughs) So, like, just the fact that this is possible. Somebody has figured out a way to, like, play a song and then, like, you know, sort of blank out or hit, hit mute on a section of the song and then have these people hooked up to these electrodes uh, have their memories captured while they're listening to that song uh, during a surgery and then have it pull out, have it fill in the blanks. Basically, this is brainwave Mad Libs, and they're like, we've told you the answer, and we've played it for you a bunch of times. Now we want the computer to reconstruct it off of a part where the song wasn't playing, and it's all from your memory. That's amazing. So two things. Yeah, that's amazing. One holy shit, what a cyberpunk world are we in Uh where there are just enough people running around with, you know, electrodes in their brains, you know, to stop their epilepsy. Oh, yeah. There are enough of those that we can get some of them to do a test like this. Yeah, and... Number two, yeah, I could definitely see the Pink Floyd fans being like, wait, I get to do Pink Floyd for science? Yeah. Do whatever you need to to my brain. Awesome, let's do it. Bring on the electrodes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> let's drill into my skull. Um, yeah. So the just think about that for a minute. Like the ability for uh, the brain to interface with computers has evolved to such an extent, and and it's only going to get better as time goes on. That it can reconstruct music from your thoughts. Now people are probably freaking out about that. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> like, oh my right. God, they're okay. going to be able to read so, my fucking thoughts. So like my I, my mind immediately goes to, I think it was like the, the fortress or something like that. It was this Christopher Lambert, uh, like mm. uh, it was this prison in space thing. Yeah, but I've like that one. Part of it was, the, and part of the real terror of it was that they could like literally read your mind by like watching your dreams and they'd like zap you awake if you had an unapproved dream, <laughs> you know, just for extra tyranny points <laughs> all of our fears come from science fiction and two even two e- even though like also i think i think more inventions come from science fiction uh, than anywhere else right or at least predictions like i think people grow up scientists who watch science fiction and and they go fuck one day that'll be possible and then maybe they become one of the persons that makes that shit possible Right, because they saw it. Somebody else invented it in their mind. They saw a reproduction of it in, you know, a television movie, something like that, a piece of art, comic book, whatever. They they read it in a novel, whatever. Right, and they go, "Oh, that's a good idea. Is that possible? Oh, maybe it is. Let me right. find out." Right, and they go on their quest and they figure it out. And well, so art is always where the least articulate uh, thing that we are articulating goes, like dreams. And then art yeah. is pretty much like the, le- and then as you articulate further from that, you can end up with the actual device. So, I mean, sci-fi in particular is where we work out our hopes and our dreams, but also what terrifies us. I like. Sci-fi. And those are those are kind of the two sides of that coin of what could be. Riley, you still awake? Yeah, I'm still awake. I'm just. Just listening in on your conversation. <laughs> I just find it fascinating that, you know, here we are reading people's brainwaves. Oh, I, and, I, I didn't you know. detect any snoring, so I didn't, so, wanna, I yeah. didn't really want to wake you. So <laughs> I do still kind of hope that we can have, like, the 3D internet 
That'd be awesome. The 3D internet? Yeah, yeah the 3D internet. Like in all no, no, the no, cyberpunks. No, the 3D internet. What? The 3D internet. The 3D note? 3D internet. 3D internet. That's the 3D internet, but as a portmanteau, the 3D internet. No. No. The revoking your portmanteau. It's the 3D internet. No. You're going to have to register for that license again, sir. I'm sorry. I don't need a license to portmanteau. <laughs> wait, wait. I got it right here. Woo-hoo. Here's my license. There you go. It's a double single finger salute. Hmm. You got the double, you double-bearded bastard. Mm, one for each beard. <laughs> a single-finger salute. Riley, you got any final thoughts? I think that's the final thought I have is that, you know, live free. Live free in, your, in, in an unfree world. It's, it's the only chance you get. Even if, even if you have to live free in your own... In, yeah. What I'm trying to say is even if you have to live free in your own inner world, do that because living free is more important than living as a slave. Boom. Riley, thanks for the call, man. Peace. Yeah, the the free world is coming into existence because we imagine it. So right. it we, does we intend it. Yeah. If to use intend in the incorrect context, but yeah. illustrate my point. Yeah. And that's what brings it into being. Yeah. And that's like this is illustrated in most really prayer, right? That's intent, right? People are like, I'll pray for you, right? And everybody discounts that and laughs at that because it literally is doing nothing, right? Like, But people intend to do things. And if you intend to do things collectively, voluntarily, well, those things tend to happen. Right. Um, you know, uh, civilizations where like uh, there's there's like an island and there's a bridge built between the mainland, if that bridge collapses or breaks or whatever or needs to be closed for a certain period of time like you you won't see that bridge rebuilt faster than by the people who need it right and yeah. and that's and like a bunch of people getting together and, and building it and you know just sort of like yep no it's fine just go ahead build it we don't care right because it's that important that right. that like bureaucracy doesn't matter right that's how free people should be people should be free to construct bridges between each other at will without any bureaucratic interference without anybody's permission slip uh it just should be uh, all governed by will governed by choice anyway we're about out of time peakless feeling free to build some bridges yeah i want to play some nonsense on the way out uh because (laughs) this is just hilarious uh, there was a show about a radio station called WKRP in Cincinnati. And that was the name of the show uh, in, I don't know, 79 or something like that. Uh, and the ending music, I think I've told you about this once before, but the ending music, uh, there was supposed to be something sung over it, but uh, the guys putting together the music for the ending music uh, didn't have any lyrics yet when they recorded the, the ditty. And so the guy just kind of said a bunch of gibberish like as if it were a vocal line, right? So he's, he's hitting notes and stuff, but he's not saying really much of anything at all. So here it is. Peace.